Think of the children. Like the guy says, you're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crap thunder. A pig fool. It's fun. If he dies, he dies. Oh, oh, somebody please think of the children. I just want to say one thing to my wife was home. Yo, Adrian! I did it! I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another very special episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, the movie podcast where we talk about movie franchises right smack dab in the middle of the Rocky franchise, maybe the height of the Rocky franchise. Ooh. I don't know. We'll find out uh, this week with Rocky. IV, which I think is short for Rocky Ivan, as in Rocky Ivan Drago. Oh, you're absolutely it? right. Totally yep. correct. Yep, that's what Rocky IV. That explains the it being the height because Ivan Drago is like six five. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, Andy, you're a big dumb I idiot. It was Rocky IV is IV's Roman numerals for four. I thought it was Rocky what? IV, like what the EMT did in for Burgess Meredith. Like, where's the Rocky I, IV? I thought it was Rocky IV, like like Ivan Drago was obviously on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> and possibly oh, Rocky. That too. That's a real no, painful no. way to distribute your steroids. Can you imagine? It's, <laughs> Just 20 it's Rocky for... <laughs> And this is the most formulous of all the Rocky movies. Oh, okay. Roman numerals, you say. So I'm a dummy from the South, and even I knew that. Okay. Um. So you mean the last one wasn't Rocky? <laughs> it is. It was Rocky. <laughs> for, that's the sound we make when we see Clubber Lang. That's exactly <laughs> it. Or if you're in the East-West Bowl, right? From p and <laughs> Oh. <laughs> okay, welcome all of welcome all of you. We've got the whole crew here together Yay. this week, including uh, special guest Roy Fillmore uh, joining us again, or as we call him, Rocky Fornicate. <laughs> <laughs> Only uh, in Provo. Some, some people, some couples have like a soundtrack that you know they throw on a CD or whatever. Valerie and I, we just throw on Rocky, <laughs> and that's. That's why our family's not so large. Not verified by Not verified by Burning Heart is your yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, your romantic anthem. Got it. Uh, See, you turn on Rocky upside down on that table. Those, I'm I'm yours. One of our favorite games is which child uh, of Roy's came to which song. Uh, <laughs> it's like wow. which Survivor well, song. <laughs> It's fascinating, and I teased this last time, but I this this movie might have triggered my sexual awakening, and it's it's because I'm just going to jump right into this in um, the as as Apollo Creed is getting ready to fight Drago, and uh, has the greatest like ring uh, like intro ever with James Brown singing uh, "Living in America." That's right. So you got all the Vegas dancers, right? And at one point, one of them turns the other cheek, so to speak. <laughs> and I think at, at my at my age, I was like, "Why is it showing her bottom? And why do I like?" <laughs> this was uh, twenty seven years old, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're, we're a little late in Provo. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Brigitte. That that's what opened you. Oh, <laughs> Brigitte. 
Yeah, she's hot. She's super hot, which is why Rocky dumped his wife from uh, Rocky 3 and married Brigitte. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <during> Rocky <IV. laughs> you know, what's a real shame, though, is I don't think Brigitte and Stallone ever had a child, and I think they really deprived the world. There needs to be an offspring of Brigitte and Stallone <laughs> out there somewhere. That, that child really would be made of metal. Yeah, <laughs> iron. but also, like, would the would the child have her cheekbones, which are very sharp and defined, or his, which seem to suck in as yeah. he ages and puts on muscle? Or, their, or the teeth, like right? Like a yeah, baseball I mean, mitt? Yeah. Yeah, like a baseball mitt. He's <laughs> like a catcher's mitt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that, that tells me right there that um, that Brooke watched the theatrical version. <laughs> he did. Because I think I in, the, in the director's version, they, yeah. they take that scene they out. Take it out. Yep. That he that's one of the big uh changes with the director's cut is he like removes his ex-wife from the movie. <laughs> he replaces her with Frank Stallone like 40 times. Really weird. Sometimes Frank has a wig. It's fine. In fact, the dancer that Roy's talking about was Frank Stallone. It's that's Frank. <laughs> Frank just just got a nice shave. He's looking good. Why nice. do I like this? Oh, 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 oh can you imagine? Oh, I'm just grossed out now thinking of Frank's mullet and his butt cheek. That was a really <laughs> that was a really powerful scene, though, Roy. Like, I it makes yeah. such an impact. Just thinking of the Russians actually being there and being like actual fuck is happening right now yeah well and it it like reinforces every stereotype the russians have about american culture mm-hmm. right like this is exactly what we're talking about yep. right? it's like you decadent it, westerners if, if, yeah yeah if you watch the director's version i think as as uh drago's being raised up to the ring he, there's like a lot more apprehension and and kind of uh fear and emo- not necessarily fear but like there's more like there's uh i'm sorry the director's cut does a lot more for drago it really it does. does yeah okay let's let's quickly go through and say uh both which version we watched and um and also like if we have any fond memories of the first time we watched this movie uh let's let's start with melissa I watched the original, I guess, theatrical version, because that's the one that was on Netflix. Yes. Um, I did mention earlier, I was like, oh, I'm kind of curious to see the other one, but not enough to pay for it. So, you know. Good. um, Yeah. You know, so that's that. I probably will never see it, and I'm okay with that. Um, In terms of, like, fond memories or or any memories at all, um, I, I think I actually liked it because I think I bought into the propaganda because this whole movie is just propaganda, really. Uh-huh. And um, so, you know, I was young enough to where I think I sort of bought into it, you know, and now watching it with like grizzled 46 year old world weary eyes, I'm like, fuck this shit, you know? Um, <laughs> it's so this is why America is where we are. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> So, yeah, the, the memories were kind of fond, um, you know, or not fond, but, you know, it, it was it was fun to watch, you know, and who doesn't love watching James Brown? I mean, come on, you know, um, hardest, but, Mac, yeah. hardest working man. In yeah. yeah. So, um, but but yeah, that, you know, 
it's there. But um, I wanted to say hi to Bianca, a coworker, because she will fight you tooth and nail, um, debating you that this is the best out of all the Rocky movies. This is her favorite. Oh. And I, I I have to laugh. And so I told her about this. So she might be listening. <laughs> we'll have three listeners instead of two next week. Um, awesome. So- <laughs> Welcome, Bianca. I think, I think a lot of people think that, though. And I think this one passes the TV test better than any of the other movies. Absolutely. Which is if you're scrolling through channels and this is on, you're going to stop and watch it. Um, ver- is more so than the other films. But uh, I think a lot of people, this is their favorite of the Rocky. That's so interesting to me because I always assumed, and I said it a couple of times to people as we were starting to, to record these, that this is the worst Rocky movie of all of them. And it's it's always been my least favorite. And oh, so, just wait till next um, week. Are you just like repressing memories of what's yeah, you for Rocky you five? Rocky five? I must be because I'm always like, oh, except for that fourth one, we don't even want to talk about it. And everyone's like, it's the best one. You I think like, Ivy I'm would just idiot. be? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe maybe, maybe the one you want. I don't understand numbers. I don't know. So so Rocky five, which we're watching next week. The last time I had to watch it. I thought maybe I'm just being a jerk about how I remember it. Maybe it's not as bad as I thought. It was so bad. Awful. Rocky Five is it's so, so bad. bad it killed expect- the franchise for two decades. Yeah, exactly. I fully expect to eat my words next week, just so we're all aware. <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe you'll give us some new insight, and uh, then I'll pretend on this podcast to not hate it as much <laughs> as I do. <laughs> you won't pretend. You liar. Uh, okay. Yeah. No. This is. Uh, so I watched both versions and uh and the behind the scenes of one and of course as as a person who has always very much loved the cold war in films uh this was uh this was this was really the only rocky movie that i really knew like as a kid um that i really knew that where i'd seen most of it um and it was it wasn't until i was later in adulthood that i like actually watched all the rest of them so there there is some as as roy likes to bring up anchoring bias yeah. uh, about about rocky four i feel like three and four are like that because because i remember both of those fairly similarly um i watched both and i gotta tell you i love the director's cut just because i love the i don't want to say depth because it's not like it adds a ton of it but the the, the extra stuff with creed and drago and the speech you know, the funeral, like there's just some good nuance that I kind of liked more. And Roy, I don't know what you thought between the two, but I kind of like the, you know, the original four is just, it just feels like fight scenes and montages and training, but I kind of like what he added in the fourth one. Um, Well, if you listen to the, if you listen to the Stallone interview about the changes he made, he's, he like basically Rocky four was just a music video because he thought audiences only wanted a music video. Right. And and sometimes that's great. Maybe that's all you need. It's a pretty good escapist film. Um, but he wanted to Rocky Ford to be more like the early yeah. movies where it's about the characters more than it's about um, the music videos. Yeah. Right now. Thank heavens. He didn't take out some of the, I was so afraid that he would take out. There's no easy way out, which is maybe the greatest music uh, montage in a movie ever. <laughs> and luckily he did. Uh, he took out Polly and his stupid robot. Polly and the sex robot are gone. Yeah. <laughs> and but, I mean, 
Yeah, oh yeah, it's gone. Yeah, no, it's gone. And and so he tells the story. He's like, I was at a restaurant, and they had as a gimmick, they had this stupid robot as a waiter. And I don't, and I and I'm like, you know what? It's him. <laughs> so bad. Happy birthday, so, Polly. Yeah. Happy- <laughs> yeah. So I'm with you, Andy. I watched it a lot as a as a kid on TV, and then, I, but I think the seminal moment is when I watched it with Roy um, from Cougar Reynolds. That was the greatest <laughs> watch ever. Yeah. So I watched the director's cut, um, and I don't know if I'm ever going to watch the original uh, again. Honestly, um, the original is great, fun. But so I will also say, like, if, for Rotten Tomatoes wise, the original is a 37 percent, and the director's cut is 80. So. I don't know necessarily if that means a ton. It it's so weird because like he removes all the cheese from the from the original and it is functionally a better movie. There's it's but I kind of like the cheese and that's the problem. Yeah. Is I I like the beginning where you start with Eye of the Tiger and we get the like the tail end of the emotional denouement of Rocky and and Creed fighting one on one in the ring. This one zooms right past all of that, and suddenly we're with Apollo Creed in his pool watching the watching the press conference and saying like I'm going to fight this guy, and it's like you miss out on a little bit of the emotional resonance of what it means when. When Apollo dies, I think. You mean he so. wasn't watching a church's chicken fried catfish commercial? No, we missed that too. Oh, that was so racist, he, right? He, he took out all the product placement, all of the times when they're wearing Hugo Boss, all of the times when Sony's on screen. He took all of it out. So the first time I saw this movie in the theater, though, as a kid, uh, I went with my uncle, Kent. And I don't know, Andy or JB, if either of you ever met Kent, my dad's I brother. I don't think so. But he was like the super hippie of the family, right? And so he came and watched it. And, and I'm like, what, 10 years old? When did this movie come out? Was it 87? Mm, it's not 87. No, 85. 85. I'm only eight. Yeah. I'm only eight. And I thought it was the greatest thing that had ever been made by anyone ever. Um, because we beat the Russians through boxing. But my, I turned to my uncle and I said, hey, what do you think? He's like, well, it's great if you'd like to glorify war and death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but if, yeah. What did you think about the speech changing in the director's cut at the end? I could like that. It's better. Yeah. Right. So I, I will say, even as a kid, when the audience turned for Rocky, I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah, I, I never really liked that the fans changed for him. And I get that it's, I guess it's sort of fun, right? That he's winning over the crowd. Um, but it's it's also, even as a little kid, I'm like, this isn't real. There's no way this would ever happen. <laughs> um, but so, the, and the original speech, like the, the I can change, you can change, everybody can change. It's fine. It, But, and I do like that he brings Apollo back into the speech. Although it's kind of like, my best friend in the whole world who died thought this thing and he was wrong. <laughs> this is, a <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. That's how I feel about the ending. Well, and to add some extra flavor onto this, something most of you will not have ever noticed. The guy who's translating Rocky's speech in the theatrical version, he isn't saying what Rocky's saying. He's saying like a slightly different version of it. 
And so I always picked up on it. I'm like, huh, is this like intentional? Like, oh, this is how Soviet propaganda goes down. Like they take what the Americans saying and they're trying to make it more palatable. And that's why everybody, that's why they get like Gorbachev and the Politburo to like clap for him <laughs> uh, because they're in, like intentionally changing what he's saying. Yeah. Um, he says the, he says women love Drago or whatever. That was the whole weird thing. That's too, his whole speech. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 Drago is the number one. Drago. No. And, <laughs> but in the director's cut, they actually have the like right translation uh, there, and 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 then that the Politburo walks out, and people are like upset at Rocky, and I'm like, okay, uh, I I mean that's a really different take on all of this, but it is definitely like a. Uh, like, oh, Rocky didn't solve the Cold War. Yeah, um, it leads way better into Creed to the the changes that he made because in the original version, which half of you watched, where the Politburo is like, we also like Rocky. <laughs> yep, Rocky just won over the Politburo, and I'm Gorbachev. You can tell because of my head, and I'm yep. going to end the Cold War, right? But in in the director's cut, they're upset and they leave, and so in Creed too, you learn that you know Drago's life's about to get pretty miserable. Yeah. So I I think it it's it's like a retcon that makes it work better for the entire franchise. And again, it's a more functional film. I kind of like the silly cheesiness of the, <laughs> of the original. Um, yeah, that's that's my take on on the differences. But I I miss the sex robot. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Zico was more than a sex robot, guys. Zico was a whole robot with whole robot dreams and aspirations. Uh, sure. I don't think that '80s robots like were, I don't know, uh, that functional. I mean, yeah. she, there were the Zico was gendered female after Polly got in there and fiddled around with her circuits and played romantic music for him. And help people take phone calls. That's not a sex <laughs> robot. That's, That's a true. personal assistant in LA. Also, she tried to help kind of turn Polly around, you know. Yeah. Nagging him constantly. The more palatable Polly was after hanging out with Seiko for a couple weeks. <laughs> okay, that's true. Is hanging out code? <laughs> yes. Hang out is code. Netflix <laughs> and hang out. <laughs> uh, I will. Uh, one other, like, uh, Russian mess up in this uh the city that uh Rocky and and Polly and Duke fly into does not exist. It, it's Wyoming, isn't it? It is Wyoming. Yeah, he does it Jackson yeah. Hole is where he does all the training. Yeah, they right? do they do all of that in but the there's a sign at the airport um and as far as I like that city doesn't exist but uh, doing some research on the internet, uh, people believe that what they did was they uh, they took the name of an actual Russian smaller city out in the Ural Mountains and uh, transposed some of the letters. They made a, a, a like a G into a T and um, uh, turned a uh, a a Myakis Nakis a. a a soft sign into a G or into a B. And um, yeah, so there's a, uh, 
yeah, totally made up city, or maybe it's code for this other city that kind of makes sense. But if it is, if it is that city, then like the matches being held in Moscow, that that is the equivalent of like, oh, uh, the the fights taking place in Washington D.C. I'm gonna go train in Wisconsin or or uh, Minnesota. It's like a thousand miles away. It <laughs> doesn't make any sense. That like, oh, this is where I'm gonna go train. Um, it's, it's like there's plenty of wilderness like closer to Moscow. It's just it's just a weird like, oh yeah, we're gonna go out in the middle of nowhere to to do this in in the. Uh, it, not I heard Sean Connery was out there with a submarine. That's why I wanted to go out. There. <laughs> it's thing. It's right. Not, it's not technically Siberia. Off the barn edge. <laughs> it's not technically Siberia. It's almost Siberia. Yeah. You have to go like a little bit more uh, east to get to Siberia, but almost. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. So. I, I, I want to talk just a couple quick differences again with the the two cuts. It, um, one is after Drago beats uh, Apollo Creed in the director's cut, he he's in the ring and he says, "Everybody will mo- know my name, Drago." Right, and you it cuts to his handlers, I guess, and they're looking at each other with concern, right, because you know he's 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 taking the credit himself as opposed to all glory to the to the motherland. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I think uh, another. There's a lot more Adrian in the. Yeah, they have some cut. good. They have some good stuff. Yeah, there's there. a lot of good Adrian before in she leaves. Cut. Before he leaves for Russia, that's a really good. Yeah, we get to hear again for the third time. The I never asked you to stop being a woman. <laughs> like, why does he keep recycling that line? But can I? Can we talk a little bit about Adrian? I think um, in this movie, because in the previous movie in Rocky Two, she's afraid that he'll get hurt, and in Rocky Three. You know, she's pretty supportive. She knows that Rocky can take a beating. He just, you know, he's only a couple years away from beating the best boxer in the world. So she doesn't seem like horribly concerned about the fight. But in this one, she thinks Rocky's going to get killed in the ring. Right. Like her motivation is she's her husband's going to die and and he doesn't die. But her concerns aren't too far off. (laughs) Yeah. As we'll see what happens in Rocky Five, but um, I was say her concerns are that the franchise is going to die, and it does. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, like she's just doing whatever he can to get him to not fight. Period. Because this is like, uh, who's the uh, the old boxer from the twenties? Is it Max Carnera that killed a couple people? Uh, don't ask me. Yeah. I don't okay. Know. Anyway, yeah. So. What do you guys think about Adrian? I'd love to hear perspectives on Adrian and Rocky Four. So I um, did. Did y'all ever watch the show um, Breaking Bad? Yes. Okay. So in it, <clears throat> the wife is um, once once the main character it you know tells his wife or you know sort of is forced to show her what he's been doing that he's been um you know creating this drug and and having people deal it for him and stuff uh at first she's horrified and then she gets seduced by the money and then she becomes back to her senses and tries to get him to stop the fandom turned on her because she was trying to do the right thing right she was trying to like um 
get him to stop dealing these drugs that were highly addictive and and destroying lives, you know? Um, she came to her senses. But the fandom turned on her and made her it seem like she was like this party pooper, this Debbie Downer, um, you know, who was who was getting in his in in you know Heisenberg's way, and it really you know the opposite was happening. She was trying to do the right thing, and I feel like Adrian's always trying to do the right thing. Yeah, in every single one of these movies, but it's not what like the audience wants to see. So she plays kind of a scapegoat in a sense. Um, she's trying to do the right thing. She just saw his best friend die in the ring at the hands of this man. She knows he hasn't fought in a few years. He's a step behind. He's smaller. He's not as big or strong. She's scared for his life, like literally. And I remember uh, um, like the men in my family, when we watched this movie being like, Oh, shut up. And you know, like they were, they wanted her to like get out of the way and just let Rocky fight. And, and so it's like, it's just like the wife in, in um, Breaking Bad, you know, somehow you have these men who think that a man needs to do what a man needs to do. And the woman should just shut up and get out of the way. But she had valid concerns and she was always trying to do the right thing. You know? Yeah, I agree 100%. And it's not like she was worried about losing her meal ticket. They were very wealthy. And she had no idea that Polly had just pissed away their entire fortune. Mm. We'll we'll learn that tomorrow. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like she's just going to lose her husband like for good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I 100% agree with you. And I think what happened in Breaking Bad is the wildest toxic fan thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was awful they would call her all um skylar all kinds of names and terrible like all these terrible memes and everything and i'm like dudes she's just trying to get him to do the right thing and stop i mean (laughs) you know and yes she was seduced by the money who wouldn't be if your husband shows you like a pile of cash like bigger and wider than your bed you know you could literally use it as a bed of course she's human but she came to her senses i don't understand it at all um but I feel like a lot of the men who watch this movie, they feel the same way about Adrian and it's, it's not right, you know? Um, And also I've said that a few things with Adrian, they didn't earn like when she woke up from her coma and all of a sudden she changed her mind and, and wanted Rocky to fight Um, her just changing her mind out of nowhere and showing up in Russia. They didn't earn that. Why, why does she, you know, it, it, I don't know. It feels like the trope about the wife having to um, stand by her man, you know, no matter what, you know, it, it, eh. So she Tammy Wynetted? Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to disagree a little bit Mm -hmm. with the, just the Tammy Wynetting. Like that seems (laughs) mean. Um, No, I just, I feel like Adrian throughout these, throughout these movies has, had to really question her place in Rocky's world and like knowing that she's she's not a trophy wife like you know look at how I'm not gonna say that they picked a supermodel for Apollo Creed but you know there was not the same depth of of feeling shown in their relationship at least I haven't watched the the director's cut to see if that's in there 
it doesn't add anything and i wish they would have but it, it doesn't yeah but like i feel like adrian sometimes feels like it's her job to challenge rocky so that he doesn't walk into these things cocky like he if he's if he's going in there he needs to go in with the mindset of i'm going to win and i can win and i have done everything i can to win and i think in like the previous movie where you know before he had had his his growing out with Apollo and like really kind of come to terms I think she saw how hard he was working and that he wasn't just going in there you know cocky and putting himself in danger that he was doing the work to go in there and and win um but you don't get to see that off screen because it's a movie about Rocky and not about Adrian and I I think like if they did spend more time with her, you would get to see her kind of like talking to herself or her closest friend and going back and forth on this of like what it means to be a supportive wife and like a, a partner to him and how hard that can be and how scary that can be, I think, because I think every time he goes into that ring, he gets bloodied more than the usual you know, the usual guy. And he, you know, he's the guy who will stand up and go 15 rounds with Apollo Creed just to show he can and like break his face open doing so. And so she knows that he's super hardcore and won't give up, but she doesn't want him going in there unprepared. And so I think sometimes she has to really like see the, the progress and the work to feel safe supporting him going into that ring again. And I see Brooke, you wanted to say something. I'm sorry. Oh, no apologies. I just, I find it interesting because as I've watched these movies and maybe it, it was coming into them later in life when I was already married and like doing these different things and going through different stages with different husbands, even um, I've always seen them. I've known that they were titled Rocky, but I've always seen them as, stories about Rocky and Adrian and I think like especially we talked about it a lot in the first and second ones about how my affection for the movies really rotate around the interactions between Rocky and Adrian and Rocky and his son and I I feel the same about this one actually um um, as you were sharing about Adrian like talking to her closest friends or like exploring those things more um I don't actually see her as having closest friends. Mm-hmm. I I see her as not someone whose whole life is only about her husband. I just see them as having grown up together, as having come through this process together. And in fact, I think there's, I, I'm struggling to remember the exact words or scene right now, but there's this space for Rocky and Adrian in this movie where where she's like yelling at the top of the stairs at him and they're going back and forth and it's like, this is their journey and they have come out of where they were together. They've grown together. They've become educated together. They have changed together. And in spite of it all, right alongside with Polly and her fears and her apprehensions are because of the depth of the love that they share. And I think also because they are one person I think the reason we only get, what is it, 
in the theatrical cut, five words out of Marianne, or is it three, is because it's not integral to the development of Creed. But Rocky and Adrian are so intertwined that when she sees Apollo die, she realizes that is her whole life. Like, this is, she cannot be separated from him and survive. As far as she feels right now, like obviously Adrian would and, and the growth that they continue to go through throughout the series is definitely there, but, but I don't see her as ever walking away from him. I see her as trying, like she goes into these preservation spaces of, I love you and I need you. And, and when she shows back up, it's because she understands that she is as big a part of him as he is of her. And I find their interactions absolutely necessary like i think with with most relationships there is a a separating where we are so close and we're so tight and even in like new friendships or new romantic relationships you're like oh everything's wonderful and lovely and great and then there's this there's this tearing that kind of happens where you test the threads and the fabric of these relationships and then you re-intertwine and you become a, a newer wholer version of of what you were together not as an individual human, but just as what the relationship is taking place as. And I, I see that happen here on screen with them. And I think it's really important. And I think it's really beautiful. So I, 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 I want to try and say this as few times as possible in this podcast, but in the director's cut. So in the, in the theatrical cut, right before he leaves for Russia, you just see her in the window, right? And it just kind of gives you the impression that they had a fight and they've been kind of cold shouldering each other as he's been getting ready to leave for Russia, but they put a scene back in, in the director's cut where Rocky's up there in the bedroom with her and they're embracing and she just doesn't want to let go. And she's just sobbing and she just doesn't want him to go because she just doesn't want to lose him. Right. And I think, um, I really like that, that it's not that they had this fight and they haven't been able to speak to each other. Right. They really do care about each other and they really do love each other. And it's just her final um, heartfelt plea for him to not go. That stuff that they add with Adrian, I agree, Roy, that's it's really great in the director's cut. And it does. It makes it more like Rocky two or Rocky three with with her role. Yeah. That's That's really interesting because I always kind of I never felt like they were fighting when she left. I felt like she Uh was grieving when he left. Yeah. And And then when. When she does show up in Russia, they take out Stallone going, no matter what. And, and I, I'm so glad they take it out because he doesn't need to challenge her. Like, right? He doesn't need to test her, her, what do you call it? Her loyalty or her support. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm glad that they just make that tiny little. Do you really feel like he was out. challenging that or just asking for reassurance because he. Does he need it? He needs her. I don't I think, think he, he needs her. Well, I don't no, think he one, needs her to prove to him. I think he's trying to reassure to himself, like, am I worth loving? I thought so, that was more about his self-esteem than her commitment. So when he says, no matter what, if, yeah. if you guys read it that way, great. I read it as, yeah. So, so, well, I think that was go. his, I think that was his ego coming out and being vulnerable and being like, I fucking need you. And she's like, I'm here. And he's like, no matter, like, really, no matter what, you're really here for me. Oh, I read it as a challenge. Hmm, interesting. So. Men, you'll never men. understand us. <laughs> <laughs> well, so like Rocky also is a man. <laughs> you need the director's cut to fucking get it. Okay. <laughs> That's true. That's true. No, and I, I also want to point out, you know, what a really 
like shitty way to treat Adrian too, to like make this giant decision to put your life on the line. And like, she doesn't even know she's not consulted and the press knows first. And then that's how she finds out like, Oh yeah. Rocky, like my husband's going to Russia. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like being ambushed in her driveway. Like, I hated that so much. And it, it reminded me of Rocky too, where, I mean, he didn't make the decision without her. She was like there on the stairs, you know, when he decided to leave and, and go start his training. But like, she knew how she felt and he did it anyway. And in this case, he did it even without even asking her. Like, I don't think that gets enough play when people talk about these movies. That's, that is almost like a betrayal you know, yeah. of their trust, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's beyond shitty. And I, <laughs> I really hated it. So what I always hated about that, and this is really silly, but it seems like he has the press conference and then between him, the press conference ending and him driving home to see Adrian, every magazine in the country has, has produced their weekly <laughs> version <laughs> of their magazine. <laughs> so maybe the press conference was on the other side of the country and Rocky's been taking the slow train home. And, and I don't know. It just, it, I don't know. It always Maybe it me works the same way that time zones work, where it's night in Russia, but yet their son's supposed to be in bed. <laughs> I don't know. It, Maybe that all works on the same map. It's just weird to me that all those magazines can publish in a matter of like an hour or two. Anyway, it's whatever. It's like CPR on, on Mickey. I think it's one of those things that, that Stallone thought would look cool for the movie, and it makes no sense. <laughs> Yeah. Science has no place with Stallone. <laughs> Would make much more sense today in like the era of internet journalism where it's yeah, like, yeah, this thing just happened and and it's immediately like in all the trades and all the newspapers. But Melissa, I like your point, right? That and I, I and I didn't really think of it that way and I and it's important too that he doesn't even ask her or like say, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. He, he makes it official and then like, you know, what what a horrible moment for her to be surprised like that. Wait, hold on. You've never thought about it that way, Ray? I'm a bad man, okay? <laughs> that, I mean, I feel like that's the main part of that scene is the betrayal there. Listen, ma'am. <laughs> okay. I'm still Sorry. learning and growing and I'm happy to do so. So oh, I do think that it is shitty. And I think at least in my own mind, psychologically, he knows that she'll tell him no and he doesn't want to disappoint her and he can't bring himself to face the music and so he announces it to the world so that he has to go through with it and that's why we all block it off as not seeing the scene the way you did because we he, know he that's can't totally face wrong himself, he can't face her he yep. doesn't want to have to face yeah. the demons that are inside of him and so so he's gonna go drive his car and, really fast that's right and stepping up and being human the most adult version of himself he hides and she knows he's hiding how can he win if he's hiding so have you guys ever had a fight with your significant other and then you work through it by by leaving the house and driving your lamborghini around philly (laughs) i've been divorced how many times so i haven't done exactly (laughs) that but i have gone for drives before or gone for walks um and but and and i found that it always works out better for me if i uh, take like my iPhone or iPod with me and I play there's no easy way out while I'm thinking 
So. Stop walking over to my house, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you get me in trouble too. <laughs> Just come in. <laughs> Just get that knock at the door. I'm like, oh, Roy's in trouble. I, I don't know. In some ways, that that music montage is awful, but I also love it so much. It's it's one of the great montages and the fact that this movie has three different montages is <laughs> it is it's just a so giant good. yeah it's a giant gus van zant video for 1985 right it is, like yeah rocky rocky saying that or stallone saying that this is a, a music video like isn't far off no so i want to give credit to john madsen who uh declared that uh the the second training montage with uh hearts on fire uh he declared that the citizen kane of movie training montage <laughs> i am very john madsony well done john <laughs> i i i, I ex, except for the rocky three oh montage. team america world police that's a pretty good montage <laughs> Even Rocky had a montage. <laughs> so when when Rocky's climbing up the mountain, do any of you guys every time you watch it, you get so scared that he's just gonna slip and fall like seven thousand feet? Oh yeah, it looks pretty. Yeah, pretty it's, edgy to me. I don't. It's like there's no way that that's actually Sylvester Stallone. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's definitely not. But do they have the guy tied to something? Because they gotta have him. Yeah. yeah. Life is yeah. cheap in Wyoming. <laughs> that so that's Cody Wyoming is where that they, mountain they've is. got all kinds of stuff in the rocks for you up there. would that make that the Tetons I'm it, assuming I think it would yes yeah. is climbing up the Tetons if you know what I mean what oh, yeah, so what so let, let me tell you what, what what do you guys think about the steroids so I kind of wish he had taken it out in the director's cut that he'd taken it out um and he didn't he leaves it in but I feel like what would be we don't need to say the the Drago's cheating. We can just say Drago's an incredible, awesome athlete. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is Rocky is defeating an, an incredible athlete and science. I think, though, I mean, but okay, so this goes to my crux of the argument of like Drago, yes, bad person, but also caught in a very bad system. Okay. That, that the. And this is true of both Soviet Russia and Russia today. That Russians don't use steroids. They they don't. I don't. That think that's has the, never happened. Has never. Happened. What's the never the, cheated in any sport? It's ever. the Jess, it's the Jesse Ventura line from a movie called Repossessed, where they're like, "These wrestlers don't use the steroids anymore," and he goes, "Or any less." <laughs> like that. But how yeah, many in no. Olympics in a row have we had the athletes from the Russian Federation group incorporated or whatever because Russia's banned? Right. It's, I think yeah. since 1984. Thanks a lot, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, but they, yeah, they're in. It they're they're under a lot of pressure too, and they have to win, or else like. Their family gets sent to Siberia. Yeah, I was like, yeah. or else is the answer, right, Andy? Or else, totally. yeah, no, well, that's, that's and that's what happens to Drago, right? That's what Drago happens to Drago? Exiled. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it, it's it's a really bad system, and they're putting all of this pressure on there, and of course they're pumping him full of drugs, and they don't care about his his health long term. They don't care about side effects they don't he is able to have a child we, we we know he can reproduce so yes yeah 
Yeah, so that's at least good. Kid, I, I think you wanted to jump in with something. I I wanted to say, like, go back to that comment because I feel like there was a lot of man versus technology in, yeah. this, oh, absolutely. in this movie. And, like, the difference – and I feel like it's definitely been a theme in um, in Rocky that it's not money that makes a great athlete. It's heart and commitment. And so he's – going back to his roots he's jenny from the blocking it when he's going out to the middle of of siberia and and training um well i guess not the middle of siberia the you know middle of wisconsin slash wyoming um <laughs> and i i think he's he's trying to show or stallone is trying to show in this narrative that it doesn't matter how much technology you bring to the game heart is always going to win if heart and technology are putting out the same level of work. So that um, is so fascinating because do you guys know the original plot to this? Rocky changed the plot when he met Dolph Lundgren. Oh. Does anyone else know the original plot? I do not. So thought, it was supposed to be he was big, an alien or something no, no. from space. <laughs> no, the Drago was supposed to be this big bear from Siberia, not literally a bear but a giant hairy beast of a man. And as he was as he was casting Drago, um, Dolph Lundgren showed up at the casting call, and he's like, "Well, this is the guy." And now the plot is changing completely. It's not like this guy who emerged from the forest and can eat children, right? Now it's someone who's a product of technology. Yeah, and I I think that that kind of fits within the franchise because you know when he was uh, originally in Rocky One, where like. You know, you had you had uh, Apollo Creed doing it. You know, I'm sure he he still trained in his gym and his pool and all his stuff. And, you know, Rocky's running through Philadelphia and, you know, in his in his tiny foot smelly gym or apartment. Um, And so I think that he's trying to kind of recapture that that moment for himself and that when he went and trained with Apollo when he was at his best was like when he was out in nature and like running on the beach um, and, and like just working with other people. Whereas like you definitely see this cold, like training sequence for, for Drago's character because he's just in the gym with people yelling at him and pumping him full of steroids. And like, he's not being treated like a human. He's being treated like a machine. Doing and, the seventy degree incline on the treadmill, yeah, and and like there's there's no you know it's kind of like he's running to nowhere, which you know is what you do at the gym. You're on you're a running, treadmill, yeah, totally. yeah. You're running to nowhere, but for a purpose, you know, for the purpose of you know moving your muscles and doing doing the good things and exploding those muscle cells so you can grow more, um, which is. Which is the fun part of, of growing muscle cells is, you know, that that's why it hurts when you're training is because you're literally splitting your muscle fibers down the middle. So, yeah. Real well, pain I, I, I think there's a really important part of that to Kit's point and to what everyone's saying is that even in his coaching, like during the fight, they just kept saying, take his heart, take his heart. Like you need to – and the reason – that I felt that the steroid ploy was so important and I'm glad that they had it in there is because he never developed his heart and why he was fighting. 
And in the end, right before he does lose, he keeps saying, no, I'm going to do this for me. And it's like that moment of recognizing that it hasn't been happening, that he hasn't, like, he's, he's become this machine. You'd think he'd be able to step into fighting with his whole heart, but he's never trained that and he's never developed it because it was show up and have it be all about the how hard he can hit and how long he can go but he, they haven't fought him to take the punches they've only fought him to give them and they haven't trained him to lead with everything that's in him to go the rounds they've trained him to hit twice and kill and destroy like i will end you i will finish this i will break you i must it's, break you. it's this must end now not can you go the distance and that's always been rocky's like i mean the, even the line that he says to his kid right like right before he leaves when you think you can't go one more round and you do that's what makes all the difference in life like they're they're leading into it the whole point is that drago hasn't ever been given the opportunity to find his heart and when he says i'm going to do this for me it's too late and there's and there's something to be said brooke you're you're right on and i think everything is a bell curve in life and and to those of you listeners um who work out a lot i think you know brooke we we always cycle like we talk about when we're when we're young we exercise quote unquote through play right? We just allow our bodies to experience and we run around and we, we do whatever. And it, we don't sit there and think mechanically or even mechanistically, okay, I need to do seven of each side, you know, five, three, one in my reps, you know, X number of times a, a week to do this. And I've noticed that as I've gotten older, it's, it, it goes back to the youthful, right? Like there's nothing more fun than pushing a sled and flipping a tire because it trains you to understand your body and do more with it. Like you said, you have to use all of the facets, your, your head, your heart, you know, each of your muscles, because you have to understand this very mechanistic thing rather than just going into a gym and, you know, use this bicep to go up, use this bicep to go left. Right. So there are definitely advantages to both, but just to tie into what you said, I mean, even your body goes back to what is more performative for what's good for it. Right. And I agree with you. I think Drago is stuck in that very mechanistic, youthful, okay, you do 10, eight, six bench press and your chest will grow exponentially if you add a muscle gainer and blah, 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 blah. And that stuff just stops being fun after a while. And it's more fun to run through the snow, like you said, and, and feel it you know, feel the earth and the air and all those things with who you are, not just, you know, what, what this bar tells you. So I really like that you added that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll say this one last thing. I, the reason that I suggested this franchise is I, I love them and they've, they've meant so much to me. This movie in particular always makes me think of my brother-in-law um, because when he, when his kids were young, when he was young, he would, watch these movies with them and they'd go to the gym and they'd work out and my nephews would be like working out and they'd go drago they'd raise like as they like lifted the weights in the air drago drago and like 
they didn't really quite understand that they were chanting the other guy's name or why he was doing that at the top of the mountain when he gets there and these different things. Um, it was interesting to watch this. I watched this again last night and yesterday was a, a particularly emotional day for me. Um, we, for those of you listening, we found out yesterday my daughter's having emergency brain surgery to correct some stuff that's going on from the first surgery. And so it's been, it's been a lot. And we got that news um, right as I saw the news that my old sister-in-law's daughter had passed away. And I'm, I'm looking at my daughter going into surgery. And my daughter and I were watching the last two episodes of the Gilmore Girls series, which I just like cry through anyway. So like all these things are going on. And then I watched these movies last night and I hear him talking to his son about going that one more round makes really does make all the difference in life and and you know I'm just a baby I cry through these movies anyways and then he gets to the end and he's telling his son I love you and good night and like the motivation is all there it's internal and that that intricate relationship between Adrian and Rocky and how they have become these humans together they've taken this journey together and I think that's why that scene when I've never felt like it was challenging, right? Was that because he just needs to know that no matter what, they really have done this journey together. They really are going that extra round together. And even for the two of them, when they feel like they can't go one more round, they show up and they do it together. And uh, I think ultimately, right, that's why Rocky wins. That's why we want Rocky to win. That's why each of us needs him to win is because we all want to go that extra round and make it. Yeah, that's what makes this so uniquely, I think, American and part of the like Cold War psyche. Like, yeah, okay, the Russians may have the tech, they're cheating, but we have heart and and we can and we can do this. I, I also want to like really point out the centrality of Adrian in all of this. I mean, that seems to be the commonality in the last three movies is like, there's the big fight, Rocky's training. He's, he's doing okay, but he's not fully into it. Something happens with Adrian and then his heart's really in it and he trains really hard and then he's ready. And like Rocky two, Rocky three, Rocky four, that's, that's all the case. And so I, again, the, the centrality of their relationship in, in all of this is really being key and that without her support, um, it's pretty clear that Rocky really isn't, um, you know, really isn't worth as much as he is without with her. Can I also say that even though all the I know I said I'd stop talking, but you know all the mushy stuff and all the like we've Don't grown together and all that talking. stuff, blah blah blah, whatever. Also, like Adrian, like I fucking get it. I'd stand by him too. Did you see the way he looks? <laughs> Those training scenes, pretty good. Like in every, in every freaking movie. movie. Oh my god. Yeah. Mm. So, so Brooke. Uh, Man, I love you, Brooke, and and you're gonna get through your stuff, and you and your daughter can can stand up and yell Drago together when you're all through this. 
Um, so best of luck to you guys Aww, this upcoming week. Yeah. Um, it, it's fascinating. So I, a couple of years ago, I was in uh, Switzerland with my dad and my, and my sons. And, and this is me saying, I went to Switzerland. But anyway, we were um, on top of this mountain where we had like a view of the Matterhorn. And we're like 11,000 feet up, but there was no prompting necessary. We each took turns standing on top of this mountain and yelling, Drago! <laughs> and it nice. was wonderful. Yeah, That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Please, there's their video of this. I've got pictures of my dad. <laughs> I love his it. rocky arms, yeah. Well, Brooke, next time you and Prue go to Jackson Hole, you can climb up on a mountain and, <laughs> and yell Drago at the world. So. Can that's what the Patreon money is going for. <laughs> Can we talk about Polly really quick? Of course. Good old Polly. So um, some of you might not know that the earmuffs that he's wearing in Russia are Adrian's. <laughs> he stole Adrian's earmuffs because they look better on him, according to Polly. But uh, we do get Polly's most heartfelt speech right before Rocky fights Drago, right? And he basically says, hey, Rocky... Uh, I suck really bad. I've always sucked really bad and you've kept me around. I don't know why, but I, if I could change, which I can't, but if I could change, I would want to be just like you. And it's like a really heartfelt speech. And then it's ruined because the sex robot comes out and takes Polly <laughs> yeah. back into the room. It's so and weird. And it back the second Rocky takes it. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> <done. laughs> anyway, oh, thanks for getting your Polly plug in. He's still I sucks. guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we find out how much he sucks. Nice job. Episode. Nice job, mood killer. <laughs> Maybe we should play a montage. If we're going to talk about Polly, I need to talk about Polly. Talk I'm about sure. Polly. Okay. So Polly has, has bothered me since the beginning. Like, what? I, Oh, I know, I mean, right? yeah, why? He's so charming, right? <laughs> Everybody loves Paul. Dying to introduce him to your sister, right? That's how I feel. About oh, Paul. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Just don't have turkey with the first meal. <laughs> he hates turkey. Spitted and rotisseried, if I have my way. Um, so then you'll be happy about Rocky Five because he gets sucked right in the kisser. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I've just, I've been waiting for it. Uh, and so I, ha- I, I don't think I've, seen Rocky five in years. Um, but I, I, I wanted to kind of go back to just, I guess that Polly doesn't seem to serve a purpose <laughs> in it, other than to create drama. And, and so like, I know that that's why he's there, but I, I was like, how much must it suck to be a human being that feels like they have no purpose except to like, and, but also like to have that carte blanche because when you're mentally ill, sometimes it's the like, I have to get out of bed because I have to pay rent sort of thing. Like you have to make these changes because otherwise you cannot survive. And Polly doesn't have that motivation because he's there with Rocky and Adrian and they're taking care of him. And so he has like no reason to go seek help for his alcoholism and his you know i'm gonna say probably post-traumatic stress disorder because he's such a douche nozzle um in the first movie but i i think like i i don't feel sorry for polly but i also want to be like polly i think i angers me because sometimes he reminds me of myself like all of my all of my deep flaws um my you know entitlement and my like relying on others and you know how 
how that doesn't make you a man, right? And as a non-binary, nobody's really going to accept me, nor do I expect you to think I'm a man, but I want to be a good person. And I think like Polly doesn't think he's a good person, but he's given up trying to be a good person. And that's what I think makes me so frustrated with him. Yeah, or was he ever given the skills to know how to be a good person? Well, right? so, and yeah. I don't want to give him excuses. And I see that um, uh, Brigitte wants to talk, and I apologize. But so he's retired Navy in the mid to late 70s. So probably he saw some time in Vietnam. Right. Probably. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what, yeah. Well, I just have a question for you, Kit. Mm-hmm. Are you are you saying that, because I, my brain isn't comprehending, not because I'm trying to challenge you. So I'm just trying oh. to understand. Um are you saying you don't feel like he has a purpose, like, as a character in his life? Or are you saying you don't see him as having a purpose in these movies? I'm saying I don't think he sees himself as having a purpose in his life. Okay. Whereas I think yeah. the point that you made was really beautiful and that his purpose in the movies is exactly what you stated it as, of, of being that, that pillar that kind of the moat in our own eyes, right? That stands out, that makes us look at ourselves and see these dark parts of us that are really hard to deal with. And it's still like every week I say it, it blows me away that Sylvester Stallone had the the foresight to write that character into these shows and, and was able to, to write a character like this whose, whose purpose and point is to make us look at these dark parts of ourselves and say, what are we going to do about them? Um, but I do think you're right. I think that's why he's so self-loathing. I think you you hit it exactly on the head. It makes it so easy to hate him because we don't want to see those parts of ourselves. And, and he's so infuriating because it means that we all have that space to, to grow. And we'd rather just look at the shiny, pretty things on the screen and the fact that he continues to be in every fucking movie, you're like, God, can't you just grow up? Can't you just go away? Can't you just be better? Can't you just... Oh, you mean I'm still showing up in my own life in some of those self-destructive patterns? Fuck you, Polly. Yeah. Fuck you, hey, JB, for making us watch... I just think Polly's a crappy character. I have totally different flaws. He's just terrible. <laughs> and he is terrible, but the, I think his purpose of the movies is to not know his own purpose and to be that, that thing. Like... Well, and we need him to be in charge of Rocky's finances. <laughs> yeah, it really helps the last two movies. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's it gives so much background to Adrian, though. Like, he's really angry at Adrian. Yeah, uh, I watched um, Sing Street last week for the first time. If you guys oh, know. good movie! Oh my gosh, so I good, love that. Right? It's the it's the Andy Wilson J.B. Flinders story, right? except for Irish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but if you look at his older brother. At least he's fighting, like, understands that he's fighting for his siblings. And he, right. he was the one that was left with the parents. Polly doesn't have that foresight, but it's the same relationship, right? Only without any ability to move forward, probably because of Vietnam, probably because of where, like, all these different these things. But Polly took the brunt of everything and raised his sister anyways, horribly. And in, with very little tools, but oops, as much as he could. So I don't know. It's interesting. I hate him. Now I just want to talk about Sing Street. 
Oh, that movie's <laughs> yeah, so good. I love that movie. Um, happy, sad. So uh, the fight in this movie lasts a full 14 minutes, which makes it the longest Rocky fight so far. Um, if you include the fight with Creed, uh, there's 19 minutes of boxing in this movie. So that's just a, there a lot you go. of boxing. This is like yeah. the most pound-for-pound uh, pound boxing in this movie. Than... It's about a third of the film. That's yeah. 25 minutes in a 90-minute movie. Yeah. Is it, isn't there less in the director's? I so I I did my calculation on the director's cut, so I don't I don't oh, okay. know. Okay, so maybe there's more in the. I felt like there was less in the directors for some reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They definitely tightened some stuff up, but um, but the stuff they tightened up more was you know getting rid of the sex robot, <laughs> getting getting rid of Brigitte through the oh. entire film. Um, we missed you, Brigitte. Oh, let's Brigitte. talk. <laughs> let's talk about Brigitte for a second. Um. She's like specifically we'll talk about her in the theatrical version because okay. she's a force of nature. Um she's pretty amazing in this. Yeah, like so does it feels like she's uh the the wife that that Russia assigned to Drago. Right? <laughs> because I mean, she's like kind of what isn't that what she was? She was like his promoter. She was Sort of, yeah. She, I mean, she's very, very forceful and strong and outspoken, right? And then again, okay, you're gonna learn in Creed too that she comes from like, I don't know what the Russian version of aristocracy is, but she comes from from wealth. She's politically connected, yeah. yeah. She's like, yeah. I mean, there, that would be the only way that she has like security and wealth is like, daddy's a big member of the of the Politburo or the yeah. you know other communist party somewhere so but she's charming i love some of her lines well she's not charming but i love like when they're talking about the the drugs the the steroids and she says he trains natural like your popeye he eats his spinach yep. <laughs> get it yeah no he's she's she's great and uh, what narratively what it allows is for drago to remain this sphinx doesn't say much and when he does it's like even more impactful and all he does is say stuff to menace people like i must break you or if he dies he dies and that's it like that's all we get out of him even though like dolph lundgren very capable of delivering lines only only person on set with an almost phd yeah in rocky yes like really 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 smart guy and and you see in in Creed two, like capable of a lot of dialogue and capable of of emoting. Um, like that's not that's not the problem. It's just they're like this guy is more interesting the less he says. So what do we do? We have we have his wife. We have Brigitte to be uh, to be the person who speaks for him, and and we have the other. Communist Party apparatchik, who's also going to say stuff. Um, who's like, I don't know, the 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 Soviet Don King, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hyping hyping up their guy. Right. Um, but but she's great, and she's just like, I mean, you can understand why. Um, you know, she's she's gonna <laughs> Stallone's gonna leave his wife for her, and uh, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Uh, I I don't know what what are others thoughts about her. 
So I thought it was interesting that uh, to me in the 80s, a woman speaking for her man would be seen as emasculating. And to, not in Soviet uh, Russia. But not in Soviet Russia. No. Um, <laughs> and not the way that she was just tearing into people left and right. But I felt like they they took someone, and I mean, Brigitte is an amazingly beautiful person, and they made her as masculine as, pro- as possible while still being incredibly sexy. Mm-hmm. Because when she- I saw her, I was like, it's Eddie Izzard, but thin. And so I realized like, oh, this is, you know, executive transvestite, um, you know, goals right there. To- She's great in Cobra. Yeah, but you know, to have someone who's so incredibly athletic and fit and powerful, um, but dressed in a very kind of masculine way uh, to kind of serve as a foil to the the soft American wives like um, Creed's wife, Mrs. Creed. Uh, she has, you know, really beautiful, like soft, curly, like short hair, but she's still very feminine. Her clothing is pink and like, you know it's like and very flowing and adrian is still kind of i think even though they're they're wealthy and she has the fancy hair now she still dresses in kind of like more conservative styles yeah whereas like brigitte is obviously very dressed very expensively very masculinely like to be as masculine as possible while still being incredibly sexy um and also incredibly sexy like they they really brought out her eyes she looks amazing in this mm. movie um the, the new cut makes it really clear that they don't they don't want drago to speak like the russians don't want him to speak right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but i i really do think like she was brought specifically just to be someone to talk for him to keep him yep. scary um because i'm imagining that drago like in my head He's like the Nigel Burbrook where he's like, do you like bread or pies? <laughs> no. I really well, like pies. You know, if, if the press actually got a hold of him, he'd be like, yeah, I'll win. Do you like pie? You know? Uh, I think maybe he's more like the Herschel Walker of Russian boxing. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I think Creed Creed 2 says like, actually, he's pretty smart. But the the I think that what, what this goes to is actually – what he isn't is very Soviet and very communist. Yeah. And this is, this ah. is your partner, John Madsen's uh, th- theory about this is that, you know, at the end, Drago is the one saying, Yazasibya, I fight for myself. I'm, I'm just in it for me. And Rocky is saying, I'm fighting for everyone. I fight for the collective. I fight for a large group of people. And that is, that is the switch of the value systems. And I think that like, they know this about, uh, they know this about Drago and that's partially why uh, he is, he's so handled that he's just in it for himself. And that he doesn't see himself as part of a broader collective. He doesn't see himself as a tool of the state. He's, or at least he's not fine with that. And I think that's part of the reason why then after he loses and he's running around saying like, I'm only in it for me that, 
you know, he gets, uh, you know, he gets so demoted. Not that that's okay, but um, I, I do, I do think that that's like important to talk about, especially in the context of this being a Cold War propaganda movie. Yeah. How much do you love the Drago flag? Oh, it's great. It's absolutely great. Yeah. There He's are lines on man. his body on that flag that I don't know really exist in real life, but it sure is pretty to look at. <laughs> oh, he, he's such a gorgeous man. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky hosted Saturday Night Live, uh, and there was a sketch uh, about him playing hockey in Los Angeles. Uh, and, and Roy and John uh, wanted us to act this out. And so we present... Uh, this this reenactment of a Saturday Night Live sketch. Uh, here we go. This has been a pretty strange year for me, eh? After playing all my life in Canada, where hockey is the national sport, I was traded to like these hosers, the Los Angeles Kings. Now the fans in Los Angeles are, are real enthusiastic, but they're still learning the game, eh? It's it's just very different. Not worse, just very different. Wayne, Wayne. Oh, oh, hey, Bruce. Uh, look, sorry about the loss, but you know, another sellout. Oh, oh, great. Listen, Wayne, I know you're tired, but we've got some big fans who really want to say hi. Do you mind? Oh, well, GA, I'd, I'd really like to kind of leave, Bruce. Oh, it'll only take a few minutes, Wayne. I really appreciate it. Oh, okay. Well, don't obsess about this loss. Come on. Hey, Sly, Sly. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Wayne, sorry about the loss tonight, but you know what they say, no pain, no gain. Well, listen, I hope I'm not being presumptuous or nothing, but John Travolta and I have some ideas. That is, if you don't mind us talking hockey with you. Yo, John, get in here. It's, it's all right, great. Hey, hey, Wayne, like, how you doing here? How you doing? This is so great. This is so great. Man, I can't stand this. So, like, Sly and I was watching you, you know, and it seems like, I don't know, you know, you could... You could skate like you could, you know, you could skate like faster. Yeah, faster, like very much fast. Like you could get three guys just to skate like super fast, you know, because you imagine like you're the goalie, right? And like three guys are coming right at you. It'd be so weird, like so weird. You know how like three guys coming right at you like, like super fast. Yeah, we're just throwing this out. Yeah, just giving you the, the basic idea here. Yeah. Yeah. Good evening, gentlemen. Wayne, I'm Ed Begley Jr. from St. Elsewhere, and I just want to congratulate you on some super hockey. And I'm sorry about the way the game turned out. Uh, and just one quick thought. I just thought that your team should have passed the puck over the blue line a little more. It's so weird because I kind of thought they should, like, pass it over the red line more. Yeah, red line. Now beat it. Hey, John, tell him our other idea. Well, yeah, Sly, it's just like, you know, okay, here, I just put some, I don't I don't even know, here, look here, I, I'm not much of a draw. Okay, it seems like, you know, the goalie could use a, a bigger stick, you know, a bigger stick more like a board, you know, a board that could, like, cover the whole goal. Then the goalie could, like, be in, inside, like, the net, you know, you could get, like, a midget or something in there, like, you know, he could, like, hold the board from the inside, and they could shoot all they want, but there would be a board there. Never score. It would be impossible, but it'd be like really weird. You know, I'm I'm just not a very good drawer. Hey, Wayne, this is Tina Yothers from Family Ties. Hi, Wayne. <laughs> hey, Tina had a good idea. 
Is it okay? Yeah, it's fine, right? Well, I thought, you know, why don't you guys make a circle around the other team's best player? Yeah, smart girl. Yeah, you could call it like the Tina play. Excuse me, Tina, fellas. Just wanted to say a word to the captain. Great one, I don't know much about your country and I don't care much for your sport. I find it brutal and graceful and difficult to follow. But I did happen to catch tonight's game on the tube and I did happen to come up with an idea. A giant board for the goalie. Little midget holds it up. Just seems to me that way you got the whole net covered. Just throwing it out, just there for your approval. Bye. See y'all later. Whoa, that was like the same idea. It's like we're E.T. or something here. Yeah, spooky. Wayne, George Hamilton, delighted to meet you. Delighted. It was marvelously entertaining game. Marvelous. This of course, is Miss Betty Davis. Hello, Raymond. How are you? Well, my name is Wayne. Well, I know, but I'm calling you Raymond. At my age, I can call you anything I want. What a delightful grand dame she is. Well, Raymond, I've just come from a hockey game. Why must they play in such miserably cold building? <laughs> I have no comment other than encore more. And why must the game start so late, Raymond? You know, looking at you, it occurred to me if I hit you as hard as I could, your head would probably turn to dust. It'd be like hitting a mummy's head. <laughs> Excuse me, has anyone seen Howie Mandel? Oh, he's right there. Uh, what, 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 what? You know, the power play. You know, you could, you know, what, you, what, you know, what, what, what? what? <laughs> you know, Wayne, you know, Wayne, I was thinking while I was standing here, you know, what about instead of skates, you wore like cleats? You know, then you wouldn't have to be slipping and sliding all over the place. I like it. I do. Hello, everyone. Vane, I was just watching the game. Sly, what are you doing here? Oh no, it's Brigitte. Hey, I thought we agreed I go to Kings games, you go to Lakers games. You can't tell me which games I go to. You really enjoy hurting me. Oh man. <laughs> okay, can we have some privacy please, everybody? Hey, hey Wayne, come on. Come on, Wayne. They gotta really like talk about this. It's important. Yes, young love must be allowed to blossom. Oh, Bruce, eh, can we please go home? Uh, it'll be just a few more minutes. Is everybody comfy? Can I get anybody anything? <laughs> bravo, bravo. I would like a drink. Raymond, are you a Libra? Walter, Houston was a Libra. He would always remind me of your shortcomings. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> Yay! Oh my gosh. Oh, sorry, everyone. Uh, I, 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 that was a great Brigitte, Brooke. That that was was great. The Nicholson killed me, Kit. Oh, that was great. Okay, Melissa, as our resident Statler and Waldorf. Um, <laughs> roast us. <laughs>
<laughs> well, that wasn't half bad, but it wasn't half good either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My favorite part Perfect. was in the five minute sketch and Kit lovingly made Jack Nicholson three of the minutes. That was so great. <laughs> 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 like that's how Jack up. Nicholson talks. Totally chewed up the scene. That was great. That was awesome. Uh Griffin Newman on the uh uh, blank check podcast talks about it as being dining at the river of ham oh. uh, that was a beautiful <laughs> so good. dining at the river of ham scene Bravo. well now i'm gonna have to go actually watch the real skit because i never got to watch it oh, oh. oh really <laughs> so i apologize to all of you i have no idea what i was doing oh, okay uh incredibly good Jan Hooks as Betty Davis. Like she steals the that steals oh, that her sketch. Phil so Hartman hard. is for, Phil Hartman is Nicholson and her is Betty Davis were the two mm. like amazing parts of that. That's but that's I, great. Yeah. I will say at least weekly I find it an excuse to say, Oh no, it's Brigitte. <laughs> and like JB, I've thought for years now that that was a Stallone line, but yeah. that's Travolta that says it. Yeah, and it's disappointing because I think Stallone would have said it way better. <laughs> well, Stallone obviously would have said it more in real life. So, yeah. <laughs> the Mandela effect version is better anyway. Oh, no. And I apologize. I kind of said it like Stallone because it's still ingrained into my head. I was like, oh, no, it's a Brigitte. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, you're welcome, John Madsen. Wonderful. Thanks, uh, well John. Done. A uh, good suggestion, and if people mm-hmm. want more or less of this kind of insanity, we will. Uh, yeah, the Rocky Five one's going to be awesome. <laughs> 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 Just Jack Nicholson coming in like you suck so bad. <laughs> See the problem, Sly is he got brain damage. <laughs> the scenes we recreate on the Patreon are totally different, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are, and they've got a lot more. Uh, (laughs) all right uh yeah reminder go uh sign up for our patreon uh we're doing hitchcock films uh we talked about the pleasure garden last week that was a lot of fun it was Uh, pleasurable it was pleasurable yes um had a great time and we're going to next talk about uh the lodger the Yes. The Hitchcock? Yep. Yes. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Starring Roger the Lodger. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Good times. Where'd you lodge that? Comes <laughs> uh, a long line of lodgers. A long line, named of, long line of lodgers. Yep. So many yep. lodgers. They have uh, the play for the Dodgers. <laughs> all right. Any any last thoughts about Rocky Four before we head into... I've one Go one tiny it. one, and I I don't want it to turn into a huge conversation because of time. But um uh-huh. um so like Rocky blames himself for not stopping the fight, but it looks to me when Apollo gets killed that the ref is trying to stop the fight, and Drago just won't have it. I think that's part of it, and you know, Rocky blames himself, but it was Apollo who was like, no, 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 I got to do no, this. Yeah, no matter what, right? So it's you know tough choice i mean i understand how you carry the weight of that guilt but like i i feel like that was apollo's apollo's choice i wanted to pose a question regarding that to to everyone um this is something i would have never in a million years thought of when i saw it for the first time when i was a little girl in the 80s but um 
the fact that the rounds were over, my, I think twice the round was over and Drago kept punching and punching, which certainly contributed to his eventual death. But, like, do you think he could have been brought up on charges? Possibly. The fight should have... He should have been disqualified. Uh, um, possibly yeah. a warning the first time it happens, but definitely a disqualification if he did it again. Yeah. But yeah. but I'm talking, like, because he ended up dying because he would not, you know, stop. And <sighs> to me, that could be, like, manslaughter, maybe? You know what I'm I, saying? Like, I think that boxers have a kind of a form of, what is it called, that, that cops have the something like immunity? immunity qual- ah. qualified, qualified immunity because boxing is recognized as a dangerous sport. Right. And, but, they, I mean, people... You but know, nevertheless, they, he... If he had stopped in between rounds like he was supposed to, maybe he might have survived. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like you have a really good point, Melissa. I think like part of it was boxing. Also, back then during, I think now that would have been a part of the plot. I think back then during the Cold War, it would have been too much to try to bring Russia up on murder charges when he was here for. And is a part of the plot of Creed Two. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know. Did not know that. Um, The other thing I wanted to discuss, I I thought about making this a studio note, but um, if if it was a studio note, then the movie would not be the same at all. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about what I consider to be, and I'm wondering if any of you consider it the same way, the character assassination of Apollo Creed in this movie. Hmm. Um, I mentioned... One of my studio notes for Rock, the original Rocky, was that I wanted more Apollo, and that was actually a studio note I think for all of them. Yeah, agree. Um, more Apollo. The the impressive thing to me, I believe I mentioned this, was that um, they showed what, what little they showed of him. They showed how smart he was. He knew how to play the game. He knew, you know. Um, I mean, yes, he had an ego. He was a little arrogant, but he was smart. And I was impressed that in the 70s, they actually showed a black man being smart in a movie instead of just like the criminal. You know what I mean? Um, And so I was intrigued because he knew the game so well, almost to the point where he seemed cynical. Right. But here he is in this movie a few years later, just like arrogant to the point of like, you know, it being ending up in his demise. And, And he he didn't study Drago. He probably didn't even know which hand he boxed with, if he was right-handed or left-handed, you know, he didn't. And, and Rocky even mentioned, we don't know this guy. We, you know, we, we don't know anything about him. The Apollo we saw in the previous movies would have never been so careless in preparation for a fight. Never. He, he was a consummate professional in so many ways. And here he's just like somebody different. He's like Apollo Creed's body, Apollo Creed's name, but not his mind. Am I, I mean, does anybody else feel this way? I I think I'll, I mean, a little bit, I think I'll push back just a tiny bit. Um, uh, And I I will say in Rocky one, the whole plot is that he doesn't take the fight seriously. That He didn't prepare for that fight. Mm Right. So, yeah. but I, so what I'll say though is that Rocky, in trying to tell um, Apollo, you know, maybe you shouldn't take this fight, his question is, is this you against Drago or is this you against you? And I think this movie is about um, 
uh, Apollo's insecurity about his place in the world, right? He's kind of a, for, he's forgotten. No one knows who he is, or at least that's his perception, um, that, that he has lost relevance, that he's, he's no longer on top and it's really lonely looking from the bottom again. And so he has this match and maybe you're right that, that it, it, that should have written it different for him to take the fight more seriously. But if he takes the fight seriously, then it's a different movie. It's a different, yeah, it's that's a different why, movie, right? That's why yeah. I brought it up now instead of studio notes. Cause studio notes, I, I mean, I guess a studio note can be changed the movie complete. I mean, I know one of my studio notes once was don't make the movie. <laughs> that was, uh-huh. you know, um, but it, it, and I understand that him not taking Rocky seriously in the first one was a big part of the plot, but nobody took Rocky seriously. Even Rocky really, yeah didn't take himself seriously in a lot of ways. Um, and, and so, but, but he still knew the game. Like he, he wanted this match because it would be good for him. Like he thought he would have an easy win, but it would look like, Oh, I'm giving the the common man a chance. You know what I mean? Like, like he, it was a cynical play because he was playing into the game, the, the system, the way entertainment worked at the time, sports entertainment. Um, in this one, I guess he was sort of doing that too, but, there's a big difference between the kind of Rocky that we saw in the first movie who was nowhere near ready at first to take on a world champion. And this guy Drago, like something should have told him that he, he needed to at least prepare a little bit for more for this, you know, when, when even Rocky, who we know has a tendency to go off and do things even without telling his wife things that could be bad for them, you know, uh, when even he's asking for caution and Apollo did it. And I get that, like, he's male ego. Yeah, I, I know a lot of athletes when they're at the top of their form, especially if they're world champions and stuff, when they retire, they don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know how to be out of the spotlight or how not to have that adulation. I get it. But this just seemed out of character for him they didn't earn that passage from like champ to chump who needed to prove himself with this spectacle you know what i'm saying um but i I mean mean, maybe i'm asking for too much for this series because they never really earn much of anything they just sort of plot it um but i don't know i it was just a completely different character and i didn't like it so I I think that what they also did was he went back to being Apollo with beef where like I and I only know about this because I watched Young Rock but like that I didn't realize as a child um that's Dick had a child um I didn't realize as a child that when like athletes were yelling at each other on TV they weren't actually mad that they're just trying to like create drama so that you want to watch them, you know, do a sports ball thing. (laughs) And so that, that, that beef is, is slightly more dramatic and engineered. And I always wondered like, is, is this public beef that Apollo's creating or is this how he actually feels? Because it seems like whenever the cameras are on him, he turns into this giant peacock. And I think it this movie really confirmed that it's like him trying to be a performer, him trying to give people a show. Because the second he gets off camera, he looks at Rocky and he's like, how was I? Was that okay? Like, <laughs> um, 
And and like, you know, what do you think that was too much? Uh, you know, whereas I think, and I think that's definitely something they play with a lot. Like this giant spectacle of the Las Vegas stage that, that uh, Apollo really cared about putting on a show for the audience. And so he did everything like over the top and dramatically, whether it was his beef or his, um, or his, you know, production values. And so I, I do think like this was definitely like Apollo compensating for his insecurities. And it was really hard to watch because he had gone through so much growth across, like I'm stealing this from Brooke who wrote it in the chat that it writes out Apollo's growth. And I was like, yes, that is exactly it. Because you went from seeing like him being really like public beefy with Rocky um, and now he's back at, at that same insecure space that he was in Rocky too. And it's, it's not a good look on him, especially because you thought like, Hey, he's, he's grown so much. He's really become this like wise, you know, Jedi master of boxing. And here he was not a Jedi master of boxing. He was an Anakin Skywalker whiny bitch of boxing. <laughs> so I, I think the movie's actually better if 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 you know that he has trained really hard and he still gets beat right or killed but yeah. but also and this isn't an excuse um but there's no apollo creed training montage so yeah. honestly <laughs> we really have no idea how hard he trained right well he said he's right. in the best shape of his life he did look good you know but... his shoulders are bigger than jb's head so yeah um yeah no i, mean, I would have taken him home <laughs> no, he's a yeah, total snack. But I I do think it also like to be fair, uh they're saying during that like after the first round and Drago's out there like punching really, really hard, they're like, Hey, this is an exhibition. What's going on? This isn't the fight that they trained for. They thought that this was going to be like for fun, they were gonna put on a show. And he's out here, like, punching to, to to maim, to kill. And, you know, that that isn't who they thought that they were fighting. If he um, dies, he dies. Yeah. But then what? It, why did he all of a sudden change from showman to, don't you dare, you know, stop this fight no matter what? And you know he knew what that meant. Rocky knew what that meant, no matter yeah. what. You know, how did he go from exhibition to like knowing that he could die? He knew he could die at that yeah. point when he said, no matter what, that's what he meant. Yeah. How did it go from that to that? I, it makes no sense. I, to me. I, think no, he I, agree. He, I think he knew like academically he could die, but I think he's been in the hospital so many times that he didn't actually believe that he would. Like well, he wanted, he wanted to take it to his very last second of endurance, and I don't think he actually believed he would die. I felt like, I don't know. I felt like he knew that he could. I felt like the the nod that he gives to Marianne, and that the no matter what that he gives to Rocky, that he was like, I can no longer live with being beat by one second. I can no longer live with coming home from another so-called exhibition and losing again. 
I can't be the Apollo Creed who lets his people down, who lets America down, who put all this pomp and circumstance into the show of what this was going to be while understanding that it's supposed to be an exhibition, but also saying you can't beat me in America. Go back to where you're from. Like, right. Like I can't, I can't, come back from that again and live with myself. So even though this was supposed to have been an exhibition, I'm in it now. And if I have to go down, please let me go down. And I think the pressures of the cold war, like we need to be reminded of that, that like in the mid eighties, it's like, you know, Reagan is out there saying like, this is the evil empire and they have to be stopped at any cost. And we're involved in a massive arms race. Um, and beefing up our military, like I think some of that pressure is filtering filtering down, and definitely, like it's probably not fair to put that into the character of Apollo Creed, but via the filter of Sylvester Stallone as writer and director, who then is going to put that into the character, like that makes sense to like where his head is at. That like, oh well, Apollo obviously like wants to win the cold war um i don't know that that's necessarily fair to put on apollo creed but i think that's what where where stallone would justify it if that makes any sense i don't think it's justified but that's why he's doing it Hmm. so yeah but i think you're totally right it like i i i'm 100 on board with the like this isn't right for Apollo Creed mm-hmm. um, that that they really did him dirty, but um, you know, also understanding the the like why to Stallone, he probably felt that was justified. So, yeah. Well, didn't I mean? Didn't Stallone say it was? I mean, it's a struggle to create Rocky Four if Creed doesn't die. Yeah. Right? No. What, absolutely. What motivation does he have to come back and fight if? Creed is just injured. So well, I they're agree. fridging, they're fridging, you know, uh, Apollo. In, yeah. And that's what I'm, I mean. I, it's there, totally yeah. unfair. I'm 100% with Melissa. He, he's legitimately thrown under the bus to make sure Rocky four happens. And it's not fair to his character. Um, right. but, but also yeah. along with what Melissa was saying, he could have died while still being his best self mm-hmm. going up against that monster of a, like if, at least that's what I thought I heard from Melissa. Like he yeah. didn't have to yeah. go down yeah. in the worst version of himself. He still could have died. Totally. Yeah. And gone and forward from soup to nuts. He gets thrown under the bus. They change his character. They, they, they change things up. I think the director's cut is a little better about softening that, but it, not much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. still, it's still purely motive driven to make Stallone, go up to Jackson hole. Right. And, yep. and fight this fight. So I agree with you, Melissa, a hundred percent. It's, it's a totally unfair shift to this character who really, I could have been in five and six and probably made those movies a lot better. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and I think someone had previously said like this movie could have existed with Apollo Creed in a coma or, in a wheelchair or something Mm -hmm. for the third act and it still worked like you the stakes don't need to go that high so i do think that that's uh, you know a possibility 
I agree. Yeah. I don't know what you were talking about. We said that the worst part of this movie was um, that you weren't in it fighting Drago first. Yeah. So. Oh, that that gets to my uh, studio notes. Are, are you guys already in that part? No, just we're there. we're just uh we're just about to go into it. Box office, real quick. Uh, this movie came out Thanksgiving weekend, nineteen eighty five, November twenty seventh. Uh, it made one hundred and twenty seven point eight million dollars adjusted for inflation. That's roughly three hundred and twenty seven million. So. A lot, a lot, a lot of money. An additional 172.5 at the international box office. Uh, obviously not in Eastern Europe or, or China. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, this movie was a big hit overall uh, adjusted for inflation. Uh, this is the second biggest uh, of all the Rocky films. Rocky three, or uh, I'm sorry, third biggest. Uh, it goes Rocky one, Rocky three, Rocky four. Um, yeah. Studio notes. All right, I'll go since it's quiet. There was the pregnant pause. So, um, when Apollo loses his fight, I think it makes it more dramatic. If the final blow was an uppercut that decapitates Apollo and his head lands in Rocky's (laughs) lap. And then Apollo winks and says, no matter what. I, th- I think that raises the stakes, okay? I think that's the end of Evil Dead 2, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe. Nailed it. Necronomicon yeah. action. <laughs> wow. All right. everyone. Also my favorite quote now from Rocky IV. <laughs> okay, so I know that I haven't seen the director's cut because I'm not cool like you. That's true. I will. I will resolve this. Um, I think Marianne deserved more lines. She doesn't get more lines, and she does deserve more lines. I think that she deserved to reach Apollo in those scenes instead of it just being Rocky with Apollo. I think that would have added a lot of gravity to the the scene if she had been the one holding Apollo. Um, I, I just think there's so much more deserved there, and I feel like Apollo could have died a better version of of what that fight was yeah decapitated head so uh, um she does get she becomes a a much better developed character in the creed movies she's uh she's uh great in the creed movies yeah she does agree but more than was it five words was that or was it three it's only when she and brigitte shake hands and then she yells out stop the fight and that's it yeah Yeah. that's, that's shameful yeah that's just, that's not enough. Other studio notes. Uh, I will say a lot of the changes that were made in the director's cut, especially vis-a-vis um, getting rid of some of the egregious product placement and uh, improving the Russian uh, accuracy. Uh, those are Those are my big things. And the, the, the funeral speech is much better. Yeah. Yeah. And you, Duke gets to give a speech at the funeral, and Duke deserves to give a speech that's, at the funeral. That's true. Yes. Yeah. I, I'd like, uh, yeah, add, add the Duke funeral speech back in. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the one studio note I have, and I think this is just in the original, but I remember this as a kid. 
there's a scene where he runs up the mountain and then it pans back to look down the mountain and there's like 18 tracks where he just did take after take, but they forgot to wait <laughs> for more snow. So my studio note is only one take <laughs> on the snow run, but yeah. Also, Andy, don't they play the Soviet theme that's like an older Soviet theme? In the because the, isn't that the theme from like 1970 and they would never have played that? No, I that's remember the, reading that's the right. Well, I remember uh, reading something like they they just wouldn't do that at a sporting event or something. I don't know, you'll have to look into it, but huh, I don't, I, yeah, I'm not aware of that. I mean, that was the Soviet national anthem, that's what they were, you know, still playing at the Olympics and stuff. So, yeah, oh, by the way, the Russians. I don't know what the words mean. It's probably all sorts of crazy commie talk, but the Russian national anthem is one of the greatest national anthems out there. Yeah. I love the way it sounds. I think I think uh, the Russians express themselves very well through music. Um, I think the French national anthem is also really, really good. But anyway. Yeah. No, I agree. And the, the Soviet version of it is the... <laughs> Andy's a commie, <laughs> but uh, the the Soviet lyrics are are better than the current Russian ones, uh-huh. um, which are because they're all about like brotherhood and working together and uh, yeah, our grand Soviet Union. But that's like a really great, um, you know, a great sentiment. Any other more story? product placement? Yeah, more yeah. product placement. Yes. Yeah. More church's chicken. More wow. cheeks. It said. <laughs> more Hugo Boss. More Sony. More dancer. Definitely more, more definitely more. Yeah, definitely more James Brown. More James no. Brown dancing cheeks. Less bitch Brown. Sorry. <laughs> more Dan- sorry, more Frank Every Stallone time I cheek. hear James Brown, I just hear beat a bitch brown down if your name's James Brown. And I'm just like, no, less James Brown. <laughs> Although I realized at the time that that was like th- them being about as American as you could get and right. trying is specifically to make it America rather than white America. Yeah. So Andy, what time is it in Russia right now? Um, we talk about it, this. It's, it's about 10. Well, it depends what part of Russia you're talking about. Moscow. But in Moscow, it's, it's like 10 PM. Right? It's about 10 hours ahead of, mountain time yeah so, so he, eight so hours he, ahead eight hours ahead of so if he fights in russia and he's like i sure hope my son's asleep it's like thank you JD. 12 30 in the maybe afternoon. it's nap time yeah maybe that's yep. what i was because i remember thinking that going now that i have calls in that time zone i'm like no i'm pretty sure he's awake i think though that he his son does get a really good night's sleep so oh they cut that like... out of the director's cup where he's like i want to say something to my kid at home they take that out in the director's cut they do because because the time zone thing makes absolutely it no makes sense. no sense but <laughs> but his kid gets a really good night's sleep because when we see him again the next day in rocky five he is 12 years older yeah he's like mm. he's 27 <laughs> And, and he looks like Polly, and he had Polly's robot. Yeah. He, he leveled. He leveled up, uh, Pokemon wise. <laughs> you know, you know his, yeah, his his uh, Charmander turned into a Charmeleon. Uh, yeah, and then his That's final evolution Polly's, is Milo. Speaking Vendor. of Polly's sex robot, well done, oh, Andy. Andy. <laughs> yeah, 
Yes. By the way, speaking of James Brown, I know Christmas has come and gone, but James Brown's Funky Christmas is my favorite Christmas album of all time. Agreed. It's a great, it's a great album. It's so oh, good. It's so good. <laughs> it's not John Denver and the Muppets, but it's a close second. <laughs> I love it. Good God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that funky Christmas tree. I love that. That's the <laughs> so many song. good songs on that. It reassures me during the holidays that James Brown loves me. Because <laughs> he never, says it about 3,000 times. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, it was never in doubt from that album. You, you <laughs> know, I'm glad he loves you, but he's still going to beat you later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not after Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto, though. That's true. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a, good, that's a great album. Maybe, maybe that's my studio note. I would like James Brown versus Ivan Drogo. As long as there's a decapitation, it's fine. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think I that think all these be... studio notes end up in the same road, right? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, final studio notes. Any? Okay. Do we have favorite one-liners or quotes? Oh man, we we there's got it for you there. because you don't have any friends. Yeah. <laughs> to go the robot. Uh, let's see. How about uh? Hit the one in the middle. Hit the one in the middle. Yeah, that's mine too. I I don't know why I laugh every time I see this movie. I still laugh. Mm. And then Duke's like, "Yeah, that's good advice." Yeah. <laughs> I like. But the, that's the uh, the brain damage has officially happened moment in the movie. Mm. Yep. I do like that. Remember how I said I want to be you? I don't. <laughs> I like that. One. <laughs> I only have the one quote that I mentioned earlier, but it's going one more round when you don't think you can. That's what makes all the difference in your life. Hmm. They change his talk to his son in the director's cut, and I like the original uh, talk he gives to his son. In the I like the original better. Yeah. 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 What's the Apollo line? I've retired more men than Social Security. That's a good yeah. one. <laughs> but so this is also the movie where we learn that one of his nom de plumes is the Count of Monte Fisto. Yes. Which is his yeah. best nickname. That's the yeah. best nickname. Yeah. <laughs> like finally on his deathbed, we finally learn his the best one. Oh, it's so yeah. good. Uh, no pain. No pain. Every time we get on the basketball court, uh, Roy would say this to me. I defeat all man. Soon I defeat real champion. And I'm like, no, you don't, Roy Drago. <laughs> no, but the the... the the two classic Drago lines that everybody knows immortalized now in gift form. Uh, the, I must break you. Yeah. And if he dies, he dies. Those are uh, like, those are the, the iconic lines here. I think. Yeah. But not when you watch the director's cut They're then they're just amongst a whole lot of other Drago lines, which are character driven. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Any others? Okay, favorite side character or best side character? Oh, I've used oh. this one before, but if you're paying attention during the scuffle in the ring between Rocky and Drago when they're wrestling, Duke is manhandling Drago's trainer oh, yeah. in the background. Like they are fighting on the ropes and they are wrestling to the ground. Mm-hmm. So, I, I and Duke's great throughout the whole movie. I love Duke. The, he, when he gives him the, the Apollo was like a son to me speech, now mm-hmm. go do what you got to do. So another yeah. win for Duke. Another win for Duke. Agreed. Okay. His son is my favorite side character. Always and forever. Really? Oh. Aw. 
That's adorable. Not in the next movie. His son's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. Isn't, uh, isn't, okay. uh, isn't James Corden in this? What? <laughs> what? No. I thought, he, I thought he was in. I thought there was like a cameo of him for like one second. Go oh, home, JB. You're drunk. <laughs> oh no! Wait, that's another one. Sorry. James Corden. Uh, okay. Oh no, James Brolin. Sorry, I wrote my, my notes Brolin. are all wrong because I was writing all the things down about how everyone hates James Corden, but it's James Brolin. I think he's oh, okay. in this. I think he's like a, unca- a a side character in this. But anyway, Duke is my favorite character because no one's gonna pick Polly's sex robot. So I was gonna pick Polly's if you can acknowledge that Seiko was a whole person, not just a sex robot. <laughs> well done. Well Happy done. End of that. Polly wanted it just to be a sex robot, but Seiko <laughs> defies that's right. That. I think we need to define our relationship, Polly. Then he throws a turkey. You seem to only be using me for sex. <laughs> hmm. Oh anyway. Why don't you love me? We told you Rocky I, Five got worse. It's all I of these played you that song. That's your favorite <laughs> song. <laughs> okay. Uh, best song. The one that Kit was just talking about. <laughs> Seiko's song. Seiko's song. That song was so, actually pretty cute, but it wasn't. So the there, there's a great song in the theatrical cut. Is it um? Is it called Double or Nothing with Gladys Knight and someone probably like Peebo Bryson or something? <laughs> when Rocky comes home and he's washing the car, but um, uh, it's so hard to not say Timo no easy way. Bryson, I don't know. <laughs> I I love Hearts on Fire. Hearts on Fire is my favorite song. Yeah, that's so hard. It's like pick between the two montage songs. Yeah. Um, I I think I'll give it to Survivor again. Just just by a hair's breadth um for um oh, why am i the burning heart for burning oh, it's heart. always burning heart <laughs> and you like play burning heart was a poor man's eye of the tiger i mean so it I is it but that. it's 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 eye of the tiger plus cold war so <laughs> that's like oh, doing a lot for me I thought, you were gonna say, heart, this I thought you were going to say hard this movie communism I thought you were going to say Coldplay, and I was going to get weirded out. <laughs> no. Like, like Survivor yeah. plus Coldplay. Two know. worlds collide, rival nations. <laughs> you know. Well, it's, it's Another one thing. bites the dust. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, you wish. Uh, yep. Sorry we can't afford your terrific songs. <laughs> uh, Melissa or Brooke, do you have a favorite song of these, or...? Like we haven't heard. I think y'all no. very well covered it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, like most of the stuff I was going to say, somebody else said. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It happens. Get okay. The... Okay. Well, you get to make the first call. Then is this a good movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> what I had to do? You're not. Question. You're not wrong. <laughs> 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 I I tend to actually agree with you, but I love this garbage so much. 
I think the director. I didn't say I didn't say I didn't like it, but it's not a good movie. I mean, yeah. I like McDonald's French. Movie. I ate a whole basket of McDonald's French fries for dinner last night. Is that good? No, but <laughs> I did it anyway. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so Melissa, I love this movie, and it is not a good movie. Exactly. You can still like garbage. It's okay. Yeah. It's a yeah. likable movie, but it's not yeah. good. Funny, yeah. everything garbagey garbage before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There are some there are some pieces of crap that we said were good movies that were not enjoyable. So I'm gonna just say, like this is better than that Korean stuff. Oh, so incorrect! Wow, such a such a horrible take. Wow. Such a, you everyone on Rotten Tomatoes disagrees, but that's okay. The oh, director's cut is significantly better. I will say go. that. Yeah, I think you all would like. I mean, Melissa, I don't know if it would sway you. But <laughs> it, it is. It's not better for Apollo, but it's it's a significantly better movie. It is a I, it is a functionally better movie. I yeah. I am yeah. curious, but like I said, I'm not going to pay for it. So, <laughs> yeah. um, if it ever comes out like on Netflix, something that I already pay for, then fine, I'll watch it. But yeah, yeah. it's not a good movie, but. Do I enjoy watching it from time to time? Yes. Do I need to watch it again for the next 20 years? No. Probably not. <laughs> yep. If Kit was in this movie as Jack Nicholson. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I would know. I'd buy that for a dollar. Oh, my gosh. Sure. Best yeah. side character. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. You didn't know you had that kind of power kit, but well, I did not. I mean, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would gladly be on any table reading where you are Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke, where do you come down? Good movie or, or not? I can't decide. The heart <laughs> wants what the That's heart fine. wants. Well, then you can say that. That's fine. Unless no, it's not, it's not good. And I mean, as much as I, you know, despise JB for making us watch that other stuff. Um, you only I watched learned. one of them. I watched two of them. Everybody's mad at me for doing 33% of the homework. I only talked about one of them. I watched two of them. Um, That's right. They were beautiful movies. And they, they are pieces of art that have a lot to be learned from them and taken from them. This movie has a lot that I have taken from it. Much like life. I didn't need to make all those decisions, but since I did, I may as well learn something from them. So since I've okay. watched it so many times, I will learn from it every time. And I do, I do enjoy it. I do think it has a lot to give to us. Um, it's not the best movie. Brooke, call back to a previous episode. You liked Moonraker. Um, Still like what, Moonraker. You can all fuck off. Well, no, I, this is what I'm okay. saying. What do you like better, Moonraker or Rocky Four? Oh, that's not fair. Wow. The boxing in Moonraker is is not as good. No. <laughs> Way too much. Rocky slow-mo. Four. You like Rocky Four better than Moonraker? I, okay. I, no, that's. Uh, I enjoy. I, I enjoy Rocky Four more. If Moonraker was only an hour and thirty minutes instead of four hours and fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by Moonraker being a great movie, though. Okay, I no, I'm I'm down with you. I'm and Vengeance for Doctor Sympathy is a much better movie, but I don't enjoy it. <laughs> Vengeance That's for Doctor Sympathy sounds awesome. I want. I would that much movie. rather watch that one. 
or whatever the hell it was called. I think that's a, I think that's a Def Leppard album. <laughs> you know what? Whatever no, it was, I, know, I know what you're saying. Whatever no, it was, wasn't we worth know. remembering. We Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. But Sympathy yes. for, yeah. Anyway. I like I like what you That's said. Seriously, that's the best name of a movie ever. <laughs> Your version is so much better. I love it. I'm, we're gonna write that movie. This Guns and Roses song is awesome. <laughs> okay, here I we go. I stand by Moonraker being a good movie for okay. all the reasons I said it was. No, no, no. I no. There's nothing wrong with Moonraker. Yeah, no. I'm. I, hey, I'm. I'm. I'm cool. I was. I was just. I, I wanted to get your take on that because I, I thought that, you'd probably like. Is that everybody's yeah. perception though? Like, because I, I, that is a hard question for me. I would have to say Rocky Four is better just because I watched it more as a kid, but I don't know that either one of them is. Moonraker might be slightly better. But is a better movie or more enjoyable? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. I might like Rocky Four a little more, but Moonraker probably the better movie. I, yeah. I notoriously do not like Moonraker. He and, does not. Uh, no, he does not. Yeah, Jaws scares him. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't respect most of the more movies, uh, except for the one with Dolph Lundgren. That one's pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> <That's great>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, so so I'm all in on Rocky Four better than Moonraker, but um, yeah. As in an actual better film. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Curious. Yeah. All right. Wow. Yeah. Well, more Cold War in in uh, in Rocky <laughs> Four. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. No, kid, I feel like we were waiting for that one, right? Yeah. Tommy. Yeah. yeah. No, I just you know I'm I'm pretty predictable. When's your brother gonna say it, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Brooke is the main character Rocky Balboa a good person in this movie? Yes. Yes, because if he can change. We all didn't have Yeah. Except for so Apollo. Rocky changed. Did. Apollo didn't change. The Russian people changed. I changed my view on the scene where, where uh, Rocky re- forgot to tell his wife that he was going to box someone that's going to kill him. Yeah. So we change. can all change. We can all change. Oh, so much growth. Yeah. <laughs> all be better. What a well, gift. All propaganda. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Many of us watch this as children. Should we show this to children? No. Um, it's yes. propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa's right. It's, this Frankie movie's Frankie. totally propaganda. It is. But is it more or less propaganda than, say, a Disney movie? Like, if you're going to let kids watch Disney movies, which are obviously gendered propaganda, right. this mm-hmm. is just super pro-American and bro-y. And my, get a robot. My favorite Disney movie is Better Dead Than Red, um, which came out roughly uh, a month after Rocky IV. Wait, what? That's not a real movie. That's not a real movie. <laughs> Everyone's like, I'm like I'm hey, maybe I missed that like, weird. Well, I love you guys. A lot of so weird sounds like 80s. Watcher in the Woods. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love you guys as a, a, a ton. Um, and I'm going to go to a funeral. Um, so there's that. But um, I can't wait to talk okay. to you about Aww. the greatest movie okay. ever made well, next week. Oh, and uh, yeah. Rocky Better Five. Dead Than Red? Is that, the new, is that what you're <laughs> yeah. calling Rocky Five from now on? Yeah, Rocky yeah. Five. Uh, okay. Better Great. Dead Than Red. Thanks. Bye, Thanks y'all so much. Bye, we'll, we'll see y'all. Uh, we'll, we'll cut it off here, and we'll see everybody next week for Rocky Five. Uh, better Dead Than Red. <laughs> if he dies, <laughs> no. he dies. Oh, if he's red, he's sweet. red. Okay. Uh, joining me is now a 
very special guest new to the podcast. Introduce yourself. Hi, my name's uh, Jared Blum. I live up in Washington State. I um, met Andy in Russia uh, over 20 years, 25 years ago. Don't remind <laughs> me that it's been that long. <laughs> it has been a while. Uh, yeah. Anyway, and... lo- long time listener, first time Potter. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And well, I I wanted to have you on here because we had this uh, this story about Rocky Four that I've told in in some other places, and I'm like, you know, let's let's take the opportunity to have you actually uh, tell that story. But uh, it, first, like, what's your history with Rocky Four, and why is that a a movie that you cared about? Well, um, I remember. Um... When did it, did it come out in about 1986? Yeah. 85, 86. Yeah. Thanksgiving 85. So yeah. Sorry, I should, I should have done, should have done some pre-research, but <laughs> that's why I'm here <laughs> based on memory, which, uh, you know, is uh, fickle anyway. I, I, that's one that I definitely remember going to see in the theater with some, um, friends from, uh, from down the street, uh, at a theater that's long since been torn down and doesn't exist anymore. Um, and, um, you know, as a child of the 1980s, um, it was a time when, uh, you know, Russia was definitely the enemy, right? Yeah. And, um, to a certain extent, we were all afraid that there would be World War III. And, um, there was definitely someday going to be conflict with Russians. And, um, you know, we, uh, I, I didn't. I was too young to remember the 1980 um, Olympic Games, but I definitely uh, remember 1984 when the Russians, you know, didn't even come. Right. So um, here you have uh, this movie, you know, with uh, Rocky, uh, all, you know, all American hero. And, um, you know, I'm I'm sure you guys uh, will talk about this in the podcast, just all the, the different motifs and, um, but you know, it winds out that, uh, he single-handedly, right. Defeats the entire Soviet empire. Right. Yeah. He solves the cold war. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Way to go, Rocky. <laughs> Cause if he and, can change, then they can change. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, for, but it's, um, it's, 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 yeah, it's great. It's, it's a great little piece of, uh, you know, Cold War. Um, well, we we talked about it. We we called it propaganda. Which, sure. I no, mean, I mean, yeah. abs- absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then the the other, um, you know, the other movie that uh, had a, a great influence on my young life uh, was Red Dawn. And you know, maybe you guys should do an entire podcast based on that one. I don't know how you, you would should. Put it into well, a larger theme, but it, I mean, well, now I mean, now there is a Red Dawn franchise because we have the movie and the remake so you know anytime we could we could pull up those two absolutely um get more swayze uh, on the podcast that's what we need yeah that's right so you know this whole when when you're when you're a kid i think you know you're really susceptible um to nationalism and jingoism and Mm -hmm. um all these things that just you know make you proud to be an american and uh those movies just made me really proud to be an American. Totally. So I guess, you know, then fast forward, 
several years to, um, you know, uh, so Andy and I were in uh, Russia as uh, missionaries for the uh, LDS church. Yep. And uh, when you go, um, you know, I'm sure most of your reader, most of your listeners are aware, you don't really get to choose where you go. And so it was a big surprise to me uh, getting sent to Russia. And um, I guess I was, I was a, a little apprehensive for many reasons, but I ended up having a great time. But, um, you know, in the back of my mind, uh, you know, the Russians were still Soviets, right? At, the, at right. their core. And um, even though, you know, they, uh, a lot of them had, most of them had really moved past that. But so um, when so we you were got there, there in 96? Yeah, November 96. Yeah. And um, the, uh, so the, uh, on the street corners, um, they sold a lot of um, pirated Western music and movies. Yeah, at the uh, at the markets, the bazaars, and in kiosks, um, you could buy um, pretty cheap uh, CDs and VHS tapes. Yeah. Um. So. Good stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't know uh, why I. Uh, thought that that was so interesting because we couldn't actually consume the entertainment. Right. Right. But so many of us ended up like collecting Russian versions of our favorite, um, Western music and movies. Right. (laughs) Well, I, and that, that was me. I like, I knew I had to have uh, a copy of star Wars. And so I got, I got the three star Wars movies and, I had um, I had Ferris Bueller, and I had Achotniki za Privideniami, uh, Ghostbusters. Those were <laughs> I think those were my tops. Uh, I may have picked up one or two others, but it was like also the the Russian VHS tapes are all encoded in PAL, so you can't play them on American VHS unless you have a dual region. Um, VCR, which right or a multi-system, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah, that's exactly what you need. Um, so unless you had one of those, uh, that didn't work. I uh, I knew that one existed in in the um, in the basement of the uh, oh shoot, which building is it where all of the language classes are at BYU? Um, I can't remember, but there, I knew there was a place where you could watch. And even like copy tape to tape at oh, BYU. Okay. Um, because I had experienced that like my my freshman year before heading out. Um, and so I'm like, okay, it's it's great. I will bring some home and I can make a copy uh, so that so that I'll be able to do that. So yeah, it was interesting though. I have have you ever watched any of the the other movies that you brought home or <laughs> I'm glad you asked that because so my, um, you, you know, I, I had no idea, um, mm-hmm. about the different regions in the world. Uh, you know, I guess I just assumed that like everywhere in the world had like the same videos that were at blockbuster Hollywood video. Right. And so, uh, I had to have, you know, some, uh, w- one of the Russians, he actually owned a, uh, a video um 
their uh, audio video repair small business. And he is the one that explained it to me. <laughs> no, this, these movies aren't going to work when you get home. <laughs> so um, uh, my plan was to actually, I, I didn't know about the, the university. That, that was a great idea. I, I, um, I, I went to the University of Washington and we had a, a great you know, language lab and everything. And um, they, I'm sure they probably had those. I didn't even think of that. But my plan was, um, okay, when I get home, I'm going to buy a, um, you know, a v- VCR. Multi-region, yeah. Multi- yeah. Just, just so that I can watch these movies. And then um, when it actually came to it, um, you know, I, it was going to be like $200 or something. Yeah, it was really <laughs> expensive. <laughs> Maybe even more. I don't know. Yeah. No matter, no matter what it was, it was more than I wanted to spend just to rewatch American movies poorly dubbed <laughs> into Russian and that's the other thing we have to explain. Like these movies were, for the most part, since you mentioned being sold on the street corner, pirated, not high production values, and rather than having like individual voice actors doing the voices, it's just one guy who normally sounds like pretty disinterested, like talking over the movie, and so like. Han Solo is yelling about like how, uh, you know, uh, never tell me the odds of getting through the asteroid field. And the guy's just like, uh, and it's just like, it's, and, and he's not doing different voices for everyone. It's, um, yeah. So, but if you could, that was the gold standard. If you could find one that was the actual like studio, version uh that was good so i my my copy of ghostbusters was an actual like legitimate copy and was uh yeah very good so i do remember uh some vendors telling us oh this this one's a licenzioni (laughs) yeah 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 this one's licensed it's and uh you know i'm because i had they'd put a like a little gold foil sticker on it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not always true and 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 we we did this when we went looking you're like well can you put it on and like let's watch for a second because then we could be like yeah oh, yeah what's the what's the quality of this so yeah so you know uh to answer your question uh no i never uh watched any of them and oh, but i i carried them al- I, you know and the funny thing was is like i had even bought some interesting um actual you know i i, I was thinking if I could go back in time, I, I really made the, well, I, I wouldn't have to now, right? Because now you, everything's available online. Right. But what I should have done was um, ask the Russians for like good Russian cinema, you know, right. some like Eisenstein movies, you know, or, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I did have some, like some of the Russian friends that we made, they, they gave me like some old, like Russian comedies from the 1960s and seventies and stuff, but I never even got around to watching those, but now you can just watch them on YouTube. Did you have so. a, did you have a copy of Ivan Vasilievich? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had one of those too. <laughs> that was great. That was a fun movie. Yeah. And like a uh, brilliant Ruka was the other one. Um, Oh, I don't, I don't know that one. Yeah. Fun. So anyway, yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, so I had, the, you know, uh, even some some good Russian films um, that I ended up, like, I, I moved them around with me, like, across the country for 15 years. So finally, my wife's like, uh, we don't have a VCR anymore, and you have these Russian tapes you've never watched. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I've, yeah, I've right, got them in a big um, Sterilite tub with all my other Russian stuff. <laughs> I have, like, a bust of Lenin in there. And, like, yeah. you might remember I had, like, a good collection. I loved finding, like, communist propaganda stuff oh yeah no i mean but that was uh i mean i think that was uh, you know the good souvenirs to get right those were the great yeah yeah i mean i um i i uh you know bought some like old world war ii medals from guys yeah those were great um yeah so you know uh i remember that um the area where we lived in um you know it didn't necessarily have the best um, markets, you know, uh, different places in town had, uh, uh, better, um, bigger, bigger markets. Yeah. Uh, it, let's set the scene. We're living in Volsky, which is a suburb of Volgograd across the river known for its beer factory. That's the, <laughs> that's what literally put Volsky on the map. I thought um, it was the dam, the dam. <laughs> or the dam, that too. <laughs> the hydroelectric dam and the beer factory. That's the only pretty small city. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really probably should have brought home like a bottle of Volsky beer. That would have been more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> just, just incredibly appropriate souvenir to bring home. <laughs> would have served you well. I'm sure would have made it through customs too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, back then you could, you could bring liquids. Had. There was no ban on Oh, that's back true. Then. I guess you could. Although to truly be Russian, you would have had to uh, buy it in a um, plastic bag and <laughs> carry it around with you <laughs> rather, than, rather than carry it around in a bottle. Yeah, then that's my not wife, how the Russians strike it. Yeah, then my wife would have been like, you have this plastic bag full of this rotting, <laughs> rotting beer that you've been carrying around for 10 years? Oh yeah, that's how you that's how you make the the kvass extra kisly, you know. That's again just how the Russians do it. So, I you know, I I have to I have to uh beg your uh pardon, but I the details in my mind are fuzzy. All I remember is that uh we got it into our minds that like, hey, you know, we need these uh these classic Russian movies from our youth, or I mean, movies about the Soviet Union from our youth. Like, yeah. we need to go out and find Rocky Four, and uh, and I want Red Dawn also. Yeah. And now the uh, the guys uh, like the all, most of the um, most of the video sellers had not even heard of Red Dawn. Yeah. Um, They're like, what's and, that? Yeah, and it was it was hard to realize that like, um, you know, they didn't have the same like they didn't have the same experience it wasn't a worldwide phenomenon <laughs> what <laughs> like I, but they, they they definitely did know they did know rocky right they'd heard of rocky and we had we found people who did have the first rocky movie yeah and, and but like finding rocky 4 was like that was the white whale yeah well and then i think i also kind of wanted um rambo 3 because um, oh, that would be good too. Yeah. Because remember, they fought against the Soviets in Afghanistan in Rambo Three. Mm-hmm. But I think that that movie, like they they weren't re- they they definitely knew Rambo. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of them really weren't really aware of Rambo Three, um, because I th- I think you know during Glasnost, 
they did open up let in western entertainment and stuff but i think they were kind of selective they didn't show yeah they didn't bring in movies that actually portrayed the soviet union in a bad light <laughs> yeah and even in the post soviet era like when there was freedom i obviously there just wasn't like an appetite for like like yeah people did want like american blue jeans and like the beatles but like they weren't like oh yeah you know the fourth rocky movie that's yeah. uh we're really on board with that <laughs> like let's catch up on the the you know the last 50 years of american cinema that we've missed <laughs> yeah no <laughs> no not, they were they wanted so you know they wanted uh bootleg copies of titanic Exactly. That was the big, that was the big thing is Titanic. Titanic right. was everywhere. Yeah. And yeah, so blame them. I, I just remember going around. I, did we, we probably had, took the bus into Volgograd or something or the we train. did. Yeah. Well, we took the Elektrishka across, yeah. of course, the, oh. the electric train across the, yeah. But yeah. I, I got to tell you, it was funny. We, um, I went back to Russia in 2018 for the world cup. Mm-hmm. And um, I was not prepared for how much everything had changed in 20 years. So um, we were staying in an Airbnb in Volgograd. And I'm like, okay, we got to go out to Volsky. So we walked over to the train station to catch the Elektrichka. Mm -hmm. And I remember it going like every hour, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I... I go to the schedule and I just remember like you just walk there, you buy the ticket for the next one, you wait a bit and then you get on the train and go. Yeah. And there was, um, it only went like once a day. Oh, wow. It was, yeah. Like, like riding the Amtrak from my house to Seattle, you know, you can go in the morning and come back at night. Oh, wow. And, uh, so I'm asking, I'm like, how, how, how do I get to Volsky? <laughs> I'm starting asking people and, um, they just have little, um, uh, little little buses, like um, little micro buses. The little marshrutki, Ma yeah, marshrutki, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you got to like ask, you know, find out which one has the right number. And uh, anyway, so um, yeah, we just went and got on the elektrichka, the electric train, and headed into into Volgograd and uh, went to some of the biggest. Uh, I, I remember going to multiple arenas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and asking every every movie and then the funny thing is that at the at the bazaar or the rinic um i i feel like they had like like one central supplier or something because like every practically every little stall had the same products for sale yeah <laughs> well like i mean is probably the mafia at some level or another that was controlling a lot of that like I, I don't know. I just figure all of that stuff, like there's probably like pirate rings and like, yeah, there's just like one, there's one dude at like the top of all of it, probably. He's like deciding what, what gets put out there. But. Yeah. So it was like this kind of this, you know, intro experiment into capitalism, right? Where people could have a little small business. They buy from the wholesaler and then sell at retail. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm like, but all your little stands all have the same thing for the same price. Right. <laughs> Why would I buy it from your little stand versus the one next door? But anyway, so we, we walked, we, um, we spent like all day looking for Rocky four and, uh, and red Dawn. And, um, no I, don't luck. Think we, I don't think we found them. Yeah. And that was just, and it was just so funny. Like, I don't know what we were thinking, but like, 
oh yeah, of course they'll have heard of Rocky Four. Like in retrospect, though, like no, of course they wouldn't have. Right. But, uh, yeah, I I just love telling that story to people because people our age just like oh yeah, like well, the the Russians heard of Rocky Four, right? Like nope, never saw that ever. So propaganda, but definitely didn't um, hit the like hit the target audience of like hey well we could change some Russians minds about like here's how great our our American hero Rocky is so Um, when I went back to Russia you know there were um, no more uh, Rinox there were no no more kiosks Um, and I I mean I'm sure there are places where those things do still exist but at least Mm -hmm. in the city of Volgograd um, if you wanted to buy something, you went to a store, just like, just like in America. <laughs> were there, there old, were there like people just selling like potatoes out of a bucket um, no. on the street anywhere? No, not at all. Oh no and way! That's what I was thinking too. I'm like, well, we, uh, yeah, um, you know, I was like, where are all the people selling their produce from their dacha? Yeah, right. And I, nowhere. So, um, and then, there, and I, I didn't. I should have asked some people about it, but um, you know, I didn't know if it was like because of the world cup, you know, they'd really clean things up mm-hmm. and said, Hey, when the foreigners are here, you're not allowed to, or if it's just, they don't do that anymore. Yeah. And um, you know, they had, they certainly, they, you can buy all sorts of uh, DVDs and music there and everything, but none of it was pirated. It was all, you know, re- retail stuff in stores. So sad. Um, I, 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 probably would be interesting to see if there is a like Russian version of Rocky four out there. But um, I think, I mean, I guess we could just go on Netflix and see if there's a, uh, if there's a Russian language uh, (laughs) audio track or not. I don't believe that there is, but yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Oh, well, (laughs) Uh, Russians probably still not interested in Rocky four or red Dawn. (laughs) Right. <laughs> uh, they like Marvel movies, though. So that's, uh, yeah. Uh, well, well, great. Uh, I don't know any any final thoughts on on Rocky Four um, or Red Dawn. Um, other than I will break you, I will break you. <laughs> it's the best, right? <laughs> Absolutely, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, well, and then so you know much. you got yeah. you got to watch uh, Rock for Rocky Four and then watch like the Expendables right afterwards and absolutely <laughs> oh my gosh how the how the mighty have fallen or or now Creed too because <laughs> uh, you got Dolph in that and his uh, and his kid um, which have you seen Creed two it's okay if you haven't that's all right <laughs> I don't I might have watched it on an airplane I can't remember. Uh, you probably would remember uh, but. I don't know, weird, interesting geopolitics now. Like they're living in Kiev and I'm like, wait, what? Like, are they Russian or are they Ukrainian? Because this is, I don't know. Right. Uh, interesting now considering the last like couple of years. But uh, yeah, anyway, anyway, anyway. Okay. Well, uh, well, thank you so much uh, for, for sharing this. It's great great talking to you great uh reminiscing about our our couple years in uh, 
in the south of Russia. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, thanks so much. Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. I know we, we've talked about Brigitte. Um, do we want to do our, our special Brigitte thing real quick? <laughs> Are we going to do it right now? I don't know. When do we want to do it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm ready to go. Okay. Oh, wait, uh, I'm not ready. Who's Brigitte? Am I Brigitte? Do you have the script, ma'am? Yes. Okay, you've got the script? I got sure. it. Okay, I think in the script, everyone has like their name next to when it's time for your line. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so we'll Are introduce- accents needed? Uh, ham it up, ma'am. And are you playing Betty Davis? Please go, please go crazy with Betty Davis. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'll introduce this really quickly. Uh, in, in the early nineties, Wayne Gretzky. Okay, wait, does Melissa have any? Oh, I don't see Melissa, on Melissa, do you want to, uh, participate? Yeah. I'll just be Waldorf and Statler judging you. Okay. <laughs> just come in every once in a while and go, Just hang out and be embarrassed on our behalf. Okay. Well, I do that every week, so, you know. <laughs> this show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.